2: The Opinion
3: Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96FM. Right, this is one of those mornings where you, my friends, join our production team. We have a very nasty flood out there. Now, it should all be over and done with, and we should all be sorted by mid-morning, but it's very bad out there at the moment. To Catch up in just a minute with just how bad it is. It is. Wayne Hilton will give us a good detailed run through what roads are the worst affected. we will also catch up with the City Council to see just why this is as bad as it is and when we might expect it to abate. But if you can see anything near you, around you, if you came across something that we've not stated or not mentioned, do give us a call. 1850-715-996 is the number. And the text of WhatsApp 083. 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Remember, for now, you are part of our production team Terry and Fergal uh, taking your calls, texts, and other messages. Also, of course, this morning we are dominated by the increase. In our restrictions back to level five. And once again, Mihal Martin, the Taoiseach, now sharing the biggest government ministry, the government ministry for state and the bleeding obvious.
4: While we have slowed the spread of the virus, this has not been enough, and further action is now required.
3: God, you'd never have told us, Mihal.
4: So the government has decided that the evidence of a potentially grave situation arising in the weeks ahead is now too strong. Therefore, For a period of six weeks from midnight on Wednesday night, the entire country will move to level five of the framework for living with COVID-19.
3: And that will dominate our show this morning. I want to hear from business people, want to hear from doctors, want to hear from parents, want to hear from everybody affected by this between now and midday. But first, let's go to... Our traffic man, Wayne, in the plane. Not on the plane this morning, but uh, he's on the ground keeping an eye on the traffic situation in the wake of this uh, flood that we've had. It's worse than we thought it would be, Wayne. Good morning.
5: Morning, PJ. Certainly is. And I think really in the last half hour, it's gotten a lot worse, actually, with a lot more people trying to take to the roads. Um, flooding being the main problem uh, that cut that, that a lot of people out that, that didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. So, yeah, lots of areas particularly uh, bad for flooding and the volumes. there are just really, really busy right now.
3: Give me the worst.
5: Uh, Well, the worst of it seems to be traffic around um, the Lakeview Roundabout travelling in from Ballinacurra again. That whole area over the last half an hour has really gone mad there now. We've got traffic in from the Tivoli dual carriageway. A lot of that backing up completely. Uh, We've got uh, areas around uh, Sunday's Well, um, around Shanna there, around the Western Road towards the city. Even the city centre itself. I know the Cork City Council have been advising motorists to avoid as we've been telling you all morning until uh, 10 o'clock due to that high tide so we have restricted access on the South Terrace and that compounded things in the area as well, Morrison's Island, all the low-lying areas basically, PJ, um, as we expected, have been badly affected. The wind hasn't helped things either, and not only for the heavy rain, but the wind really battling
3: on with things as well. What's access to the city like for those who have to get in? Are all the usual entries and exits, are they all jammed up?
5: Uh, they pretty much are. Now, things on the south link have improved, actually, over the last 20 minutes. That was quite busy across the morning. Now, that has improved, but other areas here, yeah, as you travel out from, from the west uh, and in along the North Ring Road and along the Blackpool Bypass, they've all gotten busier. Tivoli, dual carriageway, like some flooding there, actually, at the ends before the flyover. Um, that's all slowed things down there, and that's the reason why that's all queued. So, pretty much, access from anywhere really has been restricted um, other than, as I said, the south link now towards the city. That is a pretty good option, actually, but it's where you go from there then, once you get in by the Elysian Junction maybe across to Penrose Quay, that's not bad at the minute, but other areas then, no, they certainly are a lot more heavy.
3: Okay, Wayne, thank you for that, Wayne Hilton, uh, on the ground this morning, Wayne of the plane on the KC and Ross of the morning show, five mornings a week, Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six. John on WhatsApp there's a massive flood at the top of O'Brien Street in Mallow causing mayhem. Crosshaven Road, says Deirdre, passable but only with great care. Be careful between raffine and passage. Roads badly flooded down there. I don't know if you can hear it behind me, but there is a strong wind with this flood and it is beating on the window of Studio One. You can probably hear it when I'm waiting to talk to someone or whatever. You might be able to hear it. It is very windy and very breezy uh, this morning, which isn't helping. Before we came on air... I spoke to David Joyce, who is Director of Services with Cork City Council. He's been filling me in on the list. So, David, thanks for taking my call. It's a very, very busy morning. As I was driving into work myself, seven or just after it, uh, the, the the water was already coming up onto the quays. High tide, half past eight. How bad is it?
6: Unfortunately, it's significantly worse than last night. Um, we are struggling to keep a number of roads open, South Terrace, uh, uh, we've closed a number of roads, including areas over at Sean McCrawford Street, uh, and Lavin's Key, is now only one way to try and keep some traffic movement. And um, We would ask motorists to slow down. There is an awful lot of surface water. Even on roads that are passable, there is still a lot of surface water, and travelling at speed can cause bow waves, which can cause significant damage to properties along the route.
3: I think you've asked people if they don't have to be in town to stay out of it until at least 10 o'clock.
6: Yes, we expect all of this to be gone by 10 o'clock. It's one of these very quick events that comes up very quickly, but also goes down very, very quickly. So we would ask people, unless they have to be in town, to please refrain from coming in until 10 a.m. this morning.
3: A simple layman's explanation, David. Why does this happen? And you say it's a quick, short, sharp shock, but why?
6: Okay, what we're actually experiencing at present are some of the highest astronomical spring tides uh, of the year. Um, it's a natural phenomenon. It's when the moon comes closest to the Earth, the pull is greatest, so it's actually a natural issue, but what's causing a specific exaggeration factor as present is there is also storm force winds predicted, uh, and they're southeasterly, which means they're bunging up the harbour, making it uh, the situation even worse than it actually would be. Is it literally
3: uh, a case of the wind blowing the water up the harbour and actually adding to the problem caused by the tide? Yes, yes wow. that is exactly what's happening. Wow. Now, we've done so much work, the council's done so much work over the years in protecting us against flood, so, so why does this still happen?
6: As we said, it's a natural phenomenon. It's, it's when the spring astronomical tides happen, there's nothing that can be done about it. But as you said, we do have very, very good emergency plans in place. And we were out last night, we were out again this morning from 6 o'clock ensuring that the city remains safe. We have been um, engaging with communities, we've been engaging with businesses uh, where necessary we've been issuing out sandbags. So I think it's been a very, very good morning so far. And we haven't received any reports of any significant damage to any property or persons at this point in time. And we hope it stays
3: that way. If anybody needs to report an emergency situation, is it to you they come or to the fire service or who?
6: If it's an emergency situation, it would be the the normal 999 call. If you're looking for the service to the Cork City Council, we do have our customer service units operating. They have been operating since half of seven this morning. And their phone number is 21 492-4000. 492-4000. That's
3: 021-492-4000. And can people call that if say something happens like a drain getting blocked or that, that kind of thing?
6: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we will then triage those calls as they come in and we will deal with them as quickly as
3: possible. So finally, David, just to wrap up with you, stay out of the city until about 10 o'clock unless you have to be here. If you wouldn't mind, please, that would be brilliant. Alright, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you very much, Peter. That's David Joyce, the uh, director of services with Cork City Council, speaking to me before we came on air. That number he gave out if there's anything you want to report to the council 21 0214924000. 4000 right back straight down to the streets uh, Fiona Corcoran is live on the scene our senior news reporter Fiona it's bad out there good morning
7: what's PJ good morning I'm currently wading through a river on Oliver Plunkett Street it's unbelievable here today. Um, I was just speaking to you, David Joyce there in the last few minutes and he said it's the worst flood we've had in Cork City in the last five years He said a death of 2.8 metres on Oliver Plunkett Street, South Mall and um, Father Matthew Key and all those keys. Now, as David Joyce said in the clip there, they did express this last night um, and again this morning. So people have been advised to stay away from the city. Um, now here this morning, um, it's a scene that's reminiscent of 2009, PJ, if you remember the flood. Um, all the businesses have sandbags, they're all brushing water out. Now, Um, A lot of the businesses do have flood protection barriers and sandbags, but there are a few who were caught uh, by surprise and I've seen people sharing sandbags here this morning and other businesses that are brushing water out of their uh, premises but I don't think that the damage is going to be significant. It's mainly floors and skirting boards, um, and a little bit of water will be on them. But about,
3: high, just... about how high is the water underfoot, Fiona, at the moment?
7: Well, um, I, I'm um, in the middle of Oliver Plunkett Street and I came up to the top of my welly, so just under my knees at the minute. Christy. Um Yeah, I'm <laughs> just here at the GPO, I've just walked up here now and I'm at the GPO and there's torrents of water coming down um, just from Pembroke Street on to um, Oliver Plunkett Street and I actually thought that they had released a valve or something but David Joyce said no, it's just the pressure that's coming from Morrison's Island and it's um, pushed its way right across the South Mall and down here onto Oliver Plunkett Street and it's, it's quite fast flowing. And um, I was talking to a guy there who was standing up on a bin, uh, really on shoes t- 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 for this kind of weather, and he said that he just um, was trying to get to Father Matthew Street The tide came in and um, all of a sudden within 20 minutes the city was underwater. It's blowing that fast. Um, I suppose one saving grace is that a lot of people weren't coming into the city centre anyway, so it's not as busy as what it would normally be. But there are still people here now today who, you know, obviously faced the tough news last night that we were going into level 5 lockdown. They're hoping for some last minute business today and now they're hit with this flooding this morning. Um, I did speak Peter, to um, one person from Badger and Dodo in South Mall. They only opened two months ago. Uh, New business. Uh, They weren't familiar with the flooding that we would have here in the city, and they really were prepared. And I think you might have a clip there that I sent in earlier of him. I have indeed. Really quick chat with you
0: there. What's your own name and
8: the name of the shop here? Uh, Brock at Badger and Dodo. So just tell
0: me a little
8: bit about what's happening right now. So high tide was at 8.20, but uh, the water really didn't come through until about... uh, about another 15-20 minutes after that and uh, yeah, we we opened up here about two months ago but we knew it would flood here so we got good things up high so the only things we'll get a bit of water damage to a water, skirting boards and the like so, uh, but other than that uh, I don't know where everyone is
0: It's quite high though, isn't it? I mean, like I've never seen it I haven't seen it this high on the South Mile in quite a while
8: Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah, well as I say, we're only here a month or two you know, so uh, Nice, nice lesson to be learnt by a newcomer.
0: I suppose it's not the kind of morning you want after being told last night that the country was going into a level five lockdown.
8: Yes, I said to my wife when I woke up this morning. I said, "Geez, we've got lockdown and flooding. I, we can take it on, but uh, what else is there? Bring it on."
0: <laughs> so you have? Um, have you got flood protection barriers here?
8: Oh, we've just improvised. Luckily, last time there was a bit of a flood, the good lads at Cork City Council gave us a few of these disposable sandbags, but at the moment they're just floating away. Um, we put in place a couple of little uh, barriers like that, but it doesn't really seem to be helping. You see the water still flowing in there.
0: Will you be open today, do you think?
8: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's people about, we'll uh, we'll be here for them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the city is quiet this morning. I don't know if that's a combination of the weather and the lockdown, but yeah, I guess this might pick up later.
8: Yeah, well, there's certainly no parking spots available at the moment, but... Uh, uh, sure, you know, yeah, it, the sun will come out sometime, you know. You have to love the Australian attitude, like, the sun will come out sometime. <laughs> but Brock's been trying to open it, that... Brock's been trying to open the city centre for a long
3: time. <laughs>
7: I know, this is it. And I'm actually just standing outside the Vodafone just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. Um the Vodafone shop here just in the corner of Winthrop Street and Grand Parade, they do have the sandbags up but the water has just come in to the premises as well and there's quite a bit of the water in there. And I see some poor guy in there with his bare feet. And um, you know, I just it's 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 an awful awesome thing for businesses like that who um had you know he he did have his sandbags up, but the water just seemed to get in. Um, it just came in at this corner, as I said earlier, at just such a force. Um, and it obviously just went straight over the sandbags. Um, I've been talking to some other businesses here now. A lot of people are understandably very busy at the minute, and I'm sure we'll get more reaction across today. But just as well, just to let people know that you know, wheelie bins have been knocked over, so there's a lot of rubbish around as well. And Cork City Council did say this morning to people to be wary when they're. Walking through floodwaters because you know it carries bacteria and rubbish, you know, you wouldn't know what what is in it. So, just anybody who is in the street now, I do see people walking around in their beef bare feet with their jeans rolled up. Uh, (laughs) So, not
3: the best, not the best thing to be doing, not the best thing to be doing. Yeah, there'll be some idiot swimming soon, it always happens. (laughs) If we have any more. We need any more. We catch up with you there if there's any further developments down along there. Uh, that's Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, up to her knees in flood water in Oliver Plunkett Street this morning. Been there, done that, wore the wet wellies, so it did. And uh, 2009, they're saying it's the worst since 2009. Hopefully it won't do the damage or anything like the damage it did in 2009. Here's a man who's seen Mandy a flood, including uh, 2009. He sent some video into Facebook just a few minutes ago. John Minahan from Minahan's Chemist. John, good morning morning. Hi, PJ. Bad one, John?
9: Yeah.
10: Yeah, bad one. Really shocking. Um, it came so suddenly at the end, you know. I thought we'd hold out there at half eight. High tide, we were kind of holding the line, as I say, but then it came and uh, then down Pembroke Street, like our current, down into Wintrug Street. So that corner outside of GPO is like a main river now at this stage.
3: Yeah, you've, I've, I've seen some of the video you put up on Facebook. You, you, a veteran, as they say, of many a flood, you've got the barriers, you've got the protection yeah. in place. Have you escaped? No. No, I have.
10: Sorry, my flood, I was very happy when I arrived and saw my flood barrier holding, and I put sandbags in with the assistance of city council and that, we put sandbags up, but I genuinely, genuinely thought I was okay. But now it transpires that uh, it came so fast that it's it's gone up over the sandbags, so yeah, I have about a foot in the shop at the moment. Oh, God, uh, I haven't. I haven't gone in because I'd have to get the blood get down to get in. If you know what I mean, <laughs> so um, I'm watching through the windows as my floor is covered in water. Uh, again, again, yet again.
3: And I suppose uh, insurance is a thing of the past, John.
10: Oh, gone, gone. Yeah, we. I think this this area has all lost blood uh, insurance. You know, mm. um, no, look, look. We live with this and we take precautions, as we did last night, removing stock off the floor and things like that. You have a kind of a, a routine you go through, but it's still um, absolutely strong, you know, particularly. And yeah. so as we were at home last night, worrying about the impacts of the new closures and uh, the new restrictions and how that was going to impact on business and we were going to make but we weren't planning on
3: this. Yeah, this is a phenomenal double whammy to be hit with, yeah, isn't a it? It's double
10: whammy. And like, you know, look, we live with it. And in fairness, I, everybody will want to give out, with the city councillor on the side, uh, the fire brigade, the civil defence, and keeping drains as clear as they can. So, in fairness, uh, I, I'll say this, TJ, from going back to years ago when I saw floods, we've come a long way, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're now getting warnings, and, you know, we live with this reality, and we have to take precautions, and most traders do, but unfortunately sometimes there's nothing we can do and uh, some, some businesses here in a lot worse situation than I am at the moment, you know? Yeah,
3: all right. I just wanted to catch up with you, John, because I saw the video and it's fairly spectacular. John Minahan from Minahan's Chemist there by the GPO. Thank you. 1850 715996. Tom Barry says, until they put in a tidal barrier, this will continue to happen. The causeway, Roscarbury, West Cork, uh, high surface water on the causeway and there's water coming over the wall. Please drive with caution. Uh, we've got lots more pictures coming in on WhatsApp now. Very rough conditions down at White Point in Cove. Craig and Balacolic says, again, this weather shows exactly why we need a tidal barrier out by Roaches Point. Uh, avoid the cold case. It's not blocked off from the Grand Parade, so people are driving in there and then having to back down North Main Street. It's really bad. Carrigaline described as carnage. Traffic is standstill in all direction. The river has burst its banks Glanmire by Vienna Woods Hotel. Hotel flooded up to five or six inches deep. Wow. 1850, Tim Rosen, for sure Cork City Council officials must take responsibility for today's flooding. The idiotic Trinity Bridge is the first cause of flooding in this area since it was constructed in 74. They've been saying this since the Lutz Plan in 77, Tim. And they know flood water enters through the breach in flood protection wall, then floods down Ah yeah. Ah yeah. You give us the whole history there Tim but back in the Lutz plan in the 70s the land use and transportation study people warned about building that bridge and the very very uh, predictable consequences. Victor Shine from Cork City Fire Brigade. Victor, good morning. Good morning. How are you keeping? I'm all right. By a hectic one.
11: Fairly crazy now here at the moment. Um situation is bleak over in the streets of Oliver Pink Street, Soap, Mall and all the side streets off it. A lot of property uh, has been damaged as a result of the substantial flooding this morning. Uh, fire city crews, city council crews all working vigorously to
3: um, prevent water coming in. So, um, what, What's, the, what's the role of the fire brigade in a situation like this, Victor? Well, we're, we're
11: here not just to protect what we can, um, the defence should have obviously started last night early when the warnings were given out that there would have been a Level 3 flood that would have put up their flood defences in place. Now we're picking up the, uh, the resulting uh, carnage from uh, the defences not being there, so flooding, water coming into properties, the risk of electrical fires. We're dealing with a fire there, electrical fire, opposite the multi-storey car park and Merchants keynote at the moment. Again, perhaps as a, res- a result of water egress. So um, we're trying to protect the safety now of the personnel that are on the streets. We have a lot of people wading through the waters, okay, literally up to their knees, and not properly uh, prepared for it. And then the properties themselves. Um, there's obviously live electrical equipment inside there, so we're trying to defend as best we can.
3: Okay, all right. Well, I'll let you to it. And continue the good work. Thank you very much, Victor Shine from Cork City Fire Brigade eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six David. Joyce gave Fiona an update uh, just a couple of moments ago.
0: So David, uh, you did warn that the flooding would be quite bad in Cork City, but is it, as, is it worse than you thought it was going
6: to be? No, it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. It's the worst flood we've had in more than five years. Um, it's a very significant flood. Uh, South Mall, most of the city centre is now underwater and closed. It's a very significant situation. We would advise people not to come into the city at this point in time. Give us time to clear up. Uh, While it has been some time since the high tide, the water has not receded due to the the heavy winds as we we predicted, so it is still staying up as we speak, and we're still trying to protect properties and and people across the city centre, and then obviously we start the clean up. Do
1: you have any
0: idea what time the city
6: might reopen at? We don't at this point in time. It is now coming up to just gone nine o'clock. It's half an hour since, more than half an hour since the high tide, and the water has not receded. It's still at 2.8 metres.
3: Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. That's the latest with David Joyce, Director of Services with Cork City Council. The instruction to you, please, is do not come into town unless it's absolutely necessary until at least 10 o'clock this morning. If you need to report an emergency to the council, you can do so. 021 492 021 492 If it's a major emergency, obviously medical rental anything like that, uh, 999 or 112. Up next, we're off to level five, says the minister for the joint minister, there's been ten of minutes for stating the bleeding obvious.
4: While we have slowed the spread of the virus, this has not been enough and further action is now required.
2: The Cork Diary On Cork's 96FM
12: The Balancholic Community Hub Facebook group have organised a spooktacular drive-by Halloween parade on Saturday the 31st of October at 5pm Participants are encouraged to dress up and join the car parade following the route from Lakewood Sports Complex through Ballincollig and ending at the of Own Roundabout The event will adhere to strict COVID-19 guidelines If you have an event you would like mentioned, email Cork Diary at 96fm.ie
2: This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now 1850
13: 715 996
2: on Cork's 96fm
4: The government has decided that the evidence of a potentially grave situation arising in the weeks ahead is now too strong. Therefore, For a period of six weeks from midnight on Wednesday night, the entire country will move to level five of the framework for living with COVID-19.
3: There are some great supplements in the newspapers this morning, two in particular that spring to mind. The Echo has an excellent article summarising the whole lot, but for real detail, spectacular detail, the independent... Has an incredible article. There's good stuff too in the Sun, but I think those are the two or three in particular that have all the detail that you need. Before I go to uh, Dr. John Sheehan, the case numbers in Cork. Just I haven't done them in a few days, and I was kind of saying, will I bother doing them? But I think I should. I think I should. This is the 20th of October. Over the last 14 days in Cork, City and County, 1,716 cases of COVID 19. That's a per 100K figure of 343 cases per 100,000 of population across the city and county. We know, of course, that in terms of electoral areas or wards, Cork South Central, by far the worst. In the last seven days, We've had 943 cases, the bones of a 1,000. Go back to May, the 14-day figure for the month of May, the 20th of May, when we were just coming out of lockdown number one, we had 199. Go back into the middle of lockdown number one, April 20th, Easter Monday, we had 646 cases of COVID-19. Now we have 1,000. 716. And Dr. John Sheehan was saying, we'll quoted in the echo, John, in the last couple of days, as saying that you've seen more in the last 10 days than you have in the last three months. Good morning. Morning, PJ. It's fairly yeah, bleak, John.
14: It, it is bleak. I mean, it's all um, doom and gloom this morning, unfortunately, and, and the heart goes out to the, the traders in the city centre. Um, and This level five, I suppose, is something we probably all thought was coming. Now, it is slightly different than in March in the sense that schools are staying open. Some workplaces, particularly construction sites, they're staying open. So it won't have the same effect as March. However, for a lot of people, it's going to be very hard. It's winter, it's raining, people are fed up with COVID. There is a huge element of COVID fatigue and mental health, PJ. People are just worn out with anxiety and worry, unfortunately. The numbers are, I can't lie, there were 232 cases yesterday in Cork, which was nearly a quarter. Is that that a record, John? I think it is, yes. Um, in my own practice, and, I, and I, I will be typical of lots of other practices, we didn't have a case for three months. We had 10 last week, and we had another five on Friday alone. And we had a couple yesterday. And, you know, that's, that's a very new phenomena. And I have to say, for those patients, they were doing everything right. You know, they were following all the guidelines, and they were doing everything right. And that's really why, I suppose, Level 5 has come in, because it's in community transmission and it's out there so even Even though people are doing everything right, the fact that the number has gone up so high means that we need to do other things to reduce down its
3: spread. I think what we're seeing, John, in this second time round, those of us who we've all been dealing, dealing with it day by day, but those of us like yourself and those of us in the media who've been focusing on it from day one, is we're getting the proof, if proof was needed, of the real infectiousness of this thing. It is rampant.
14: Yes, and it is so easy to pick up. You could be in a car with someone for a couple of hours. You could be, um, you know, a teammate, you know, sharing training session or in a, you know, an office or a pub or a household with someone. And you could feel fine and you think you're fine. And then you have it and unfortunately you may spread it on to someone else. And that's the biggest worry I find in PJ for people is that they themselves obviously don't want to get it, but if they pass it on to a loved one or an elderly relative, the guilt that will be associated with that is huge for people, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's why Level 5 has co- has come in. The numbers are going up. Thankfully, the hospital numbers aren't going up like they were in March because yeah. the age profile is much younger now, um, and so that's one good thing that the, this surge in the hospital isn't happening. The challenge is though so the hospitals have to maintain a lot of their other work, it's winter and winter are always busy times for hospitals. And in addition to that, now we have COVID on top of that. So all of those things combined means unfortunately we're at level, level five for the next six
3: weeks. I heard a, a conversation in the last couple of days, John, um, that along the lines of, well look back in March and April, we effectively did nothing else in ICU except try to cope with COVID. What we need to do now is cope with COVID where it needs to be coped with, but also deal with other people who need ICU. Because if we have to start taking them out, we have an even bigger problem.
14: Yeah, we certainly do. So, you know, you can do what you did in March where you effectively shut down an awful lot of elective things in hospital um, because of the surge and anticipated surge with COVID cases. You can't keep doing that again and again and again because, you know, people require treatments. They require treatments for other things, cancer, abdominal surgery, all different kinds of surgery that requires um, intensive care and hospitalization. So you can delay that for a while, but there comes a stage where you have to start getting on with other things as well. And from your own colleagues
3: in the hospital sector, John, are we close to that tipping point?
14: Not at the moment, um, thankfully, because there, you know, they, they, there's never that many um, spare ICU beds um, nationally or in Cork or anywhere. But we haven't that big surge and we haven't that big surge of, of older people. So that has helped. However, if you go to, I guarantee if you go to a and and the Mercy or CUH this morning, it will be very busy with lots of other things. And that's the challenge. If you get a COVID surge on top of all that, then we're in big
3: trouble. All right, John, thank you very much. Uh, Once again, that's Dr. John Sheehan, Councillor Dr. John Sheehan. Of course, he was the Lord Mayor of Cork when this whole thing started back in June. And now he's back in medical practice trying to deal with it on, or back in February, what am I talking about? Back trying to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. 1850-715-996. I want to hear your thoughts on the Level 5 decision announced last night. Let's hear from Micheál Martin what's involved.
4: There should be no social or family gatherings in homes or gardens, but visits on compassionate grounds and for caring purposes can continue. We have decided that attendance at weddings will be maintained at 25 guests. Restaurants, cafes and bars will be permitted to provide takeaway services only. Only essential retail may remain open. Everyone in the country has been asked to stay at home, with exercise permitted within a five-kilometre radius of your home. Only essential workers whose physical presence in the workplace are permitted to travel to work. Those who can work from home must do so. Construction work is essential, and will continue during this phase, while most manufacturing will also remain open.
3: And he also insisted, while he was speaking to us last night, insisted that the schools will stay open.
4: It is the view of government supported by the advice of Nefit, that our schools and childcare services should remain open. This is necessary because we cannot and will not allow our children and young people's futures to be another victim of this disease. They need their education.
3: I'm wondering in particular in terms of parents how they're feeling listening to that this morning from the T-shirt. Will you send your children into school on Thursday and Friday? Will you send them back to school after midterm break? Do you think that even though they've said they wouldn't, that they should now extend midterm break by a second week just for safety's sake? Do you believe that? And we'll talk to businesses, talk to parents, and talk to many other people affected by the Level 5 restrictions next. Cork's 96 FM, The River Lee, and The Echo. The Echo. Bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award Every month a panel of experts Give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete The latest awards went to David Cusson of Old Abbey AC For his gold medal achievement Phil Healy from Bandon AC For winning her 100 and 200 metre National titles And Nicola Tuttle of Bandon AC For her performances in the women's hammer throw The Cork City Sports Athletics Award Cork's 96 FM
2: This is Cork's Gold, Imro award-winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
13: Text or WhatsApp now 0833
3: 96 96 96. On Courts 96 FM Just before we start analysing the effect of Level 5 which comes in midnight tomorrow night so midnight Wednesday night into Thursday morning so we'll be in Level 5 from first thing Thursday not first thing tomorrow, first thing th- At least I think it's first thing Thursday. See, Michal, it didn't make it very clear. How's that? I think it's first time, first thing Thursday morning. Let's go back down to the mean streets, the mean wet streets this morning. Uh, Fiona has been talking to Steve Andrews from Vodafone Retail, uh, their shop badly affected down there near the GPO.
15: Stephen Andrews and it's Vodafone uh, retail. So, what is the damage uh, what, like? Something cool now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's we kind of prepared for it last night. We took all the kind of high end stuff off the the, the shop floor, all the computers. Um, we just found a mad flaw there that there's a, a gap right in the shutter there, so the sandbags are absolutely pointless for us. Uh, but yeah, this is exactly what like you know businesses need in the city now at this time and with the lockdown coming like. You know, it's going to cause a lot more hassle and hardship and financial hardship on, on businesses like so.
0: I suppose today was the day that people were really hoping for, you know, a boost in shopping.
15: Yeah, so yeah, we expected the place to be absolutely thronged out for the next two days. And, you know, this is going to absolutely kind of kill industry and economy in the city. So,
0: And how long do you reckon it'll take before you reopen?
15: Uh, hopefully they say it's going to ease in 45 minutes. So we'll generally just try and get a, a squeegee or something or a, an aquavac and actually take the, take the water out. But... It could be later on today, realistically. Do you
0: think it's mainly like just damage to the floor and stuff?
15: Yeah, as I said, we took all the high-end stuff, all the computers, all that stuff off the floor. We kind of we guessed that, that was going to gonna happen, but it could be wiring. You know, there could be an awful lot of stuff that you don't see, but, you know, so, but... It's, you know, we'll have to take it as it comes. We'll have to. And you're walking around in your bare oh, yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah, for all the preparation, I forgot to buy a pair of wellies. So. Although
0: I my wellies on and they've given yeah. me no protection whatsoever, ah. my feet are soaking. Yeah. Um, and I suppose here as well, because there was such a force of water coming down. Yeah, there. and
15: again, like we have, we've had it before, and we've kind of gotten away with it to a degree. But again, I think whatever, just for ourselves now, obviously I can't speak for anybody else, but our own door, there's a little bit of a design flaw there. Uh, it just creeps right in the back. Obviously you can't see it, but... Yeah. Um, yeah we've had it say we've had it before it's this is about the fourth time or fifth time since I've been you know full time working in the city where th- this is flooded so I don't know I don't know what's what's next or what what, what we've got to do to, to we obviously can't stop it as a force nature like but it just puts a lot of pressure on businesses around the city
3: Ain't that the truth That's Steve Andrews from Vodafone talking to Fiona in the last 15 20 minutes down there by the GPO The council has issued another update Uh, this time they're asking motorists to avoid low-lying areas until 11 o'clock 11 o'clock it is now not just 10 o'clock due to serious flooding traffic is very heavy in the city diversions are in place city council operations crews fire brigade and civil defence are on site to assist serious flooding has now occurred on all the low-lying quays on all the Plunkett Street South Mall water coming up Caroline Street and Winthrop Street and they'll post further updates on the city council's Twitter which is at Cork City Council and on their website, CorkCity.ie but they're now telling people stay out of the city centre until at least 11 o'clock. Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six. As well as that, lots of businesses now preparing for lockdown mark two. No, it's not a total lockdown. It's a very much nuanced lockdown but the pubs will be affected again. Uh, the pubs have been told take away only be they wet pubs or restaurant style pubs. We've talked before with Jana Mullani of Molly's Bar in Middleton. Jana, good morning.
16: Good morning, PJ, how are you?
3: Good. I I don't suppose it came unexpected, but it's it's not what you wanted.
16: No, it's really not. Um I and mean, in your kind of opening remarks there you use the term nuanced, which I think has been definitely the approach to pubs Um we ourselves have actually been closed with the last couple of weeks with the last announcement which was the service of up to a maximum of 15 people outdoors yeah. um, and I'm sure I, you don't have to be an economics expert to realize that that's not going to help me and my staff well I can't support them on that I can't support the business on that and of course you know you have days like today, which I know is extreme, but the weather generally this time of year does not lend itself to that type of trading. So the closure for us has already happened. Um, And in terms of the nuance, I believe that has been the approach. You know, in March, it was a 100 people maximum, including staff. Then it went to opening with food, which I understand we spoke about apparently the science of opening your mouth more Mm. when you're not eating and all that kind of stuff. But it seems to be indirect ways to limit the trading of pubs without the government having to take the full approach and perhaps the full backlash of saying we're closing you down so finding those um, intricate ways to limit the amount of trading um, and limit the possibilities for business Give, um, giving our you city. no
3: option effectively they gave you no option three weeks ago
16: yes yeah, absolutely, for us. Um, 15 people outdoors, um, it just, it, you know, obviously, we serve alcohol, so you can't rush people. So, if I have 15 people who most of my customers are very relaxed individuals who are jo- enjoying just a couple of drinks, um, and that's not going to pay my rent or myself or a staff member, Um And so, yeah, it is a nuanced approach, I believe, and I'm not one for conspiracies or anything like that, but I do believe that the approach to pubs in particular has been a kind of indirect forcing of the hand since
1: June.
3: Are you angry, upset, worried for the future?
16: Um, gosh, I mean, I wouldn't say angry. I mean, at the base level of it, you know, the most important thing is everyone's safety. And I do understand that. I mean, you know, me keeping my business open and someone potentially, you know, um, infecting an elderly person who could pass away. I mean, I'm not blind to the fact that they are hugely, hugely different and one much more significant. But it is a very worrying, worrying factor. Um, and I do think the pubs have been villainized Um, and we have been treated differently to the likes, for example, of the hairdressers. Originally, we were all on the same level, and then that changed. Um, You know, um, again, I spoke to you the last time about the idea of all these viral videos about people, you know, practically hanging off lampshades. Nothing about Mary and John, you know, with their one social interaction of the week who Mm -hmm. normally live alone, Mm -hmm. enjoying one pint and a toastie, Um, which, for the reality, that's 85% of our business, you know? Um so yeah, I mean I do think it's definitely been um the government's approach has angered me slightly in that I understand we were all kind of caught on the hop, to put it casually, when COVID landed first, but even now it's reactive rather than proactive. Um, where is the long term planning? Um, where is the accountability of the state who are supposed to protect us and govern us yeah. and mind our businesses There you was know? quite
3: a lot in the budget last week 17 or 18 billion in the budget last week and a lot of it went to support for business and last night when he was making and I'll, I'll play the clip in a minute when he was announcing the, the, the new restrictions Micheál Martin said there would be supports for business and supports for workers but will it sustain you? Um,
16: that's the question in and of itself um, and I think um, it depends on a case to case basis I mean the first thing is those who either own the building they're in or don't um, you know for those who pay rent, who is the rent going to obviously that person relies on that income, where is the support there in that structure, um, will the government come in and look after things, what about government owned buildings um, as well the PUP was extended and the new, um, the newer um, wage approach, But again, like I spoke to you the last time, that's interrupting cash flow for people. So it was actually almost eight weeks before I received my first wage subsidy. Um, so when I began paying people in September, it was um, quite late in October before I even received any of that money back. So that's a six to eight week interruption of the cash flow I have to produce my stock to keep my doors open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose while... Distributing of funds is great, um, and it is appreciated. It's really now about the infrastructure they have to support that. Um, Similarly with the CRSS, which is this new weekly payment they're announcing, there's so many little caveats Uh, about percentage of trade. uh, Um, It has been announced, and there is a registration option. Mm. But there is not not as glossy as it
3: appeared on budget day.
16: This is it. You know, we all got the headlines and they sounded great, but the story has not been filled out. And um, the process is not up and running. Um, now, I know we are all closed, but in theory, we were able to trade until yesterday or uh, um, until recently. Um, so, yeah, it's really more about, you know, distributing of funding is great, but announcing something... Um, And then the actual backup of it, you know, there's this kind of party line of, oh, we didn't take the level five because we didn't want to just announce something with nothing in place, which is great and very practical. But that is what's happening. They're announcing these large amounts of funds that are being distributed and the practicalities of it either aren't in place or there's a lot of little hidden caveats
3: along the way. that's unfortunate to hear Jana thank you very much I wish you well I hope it all works out and I hope that you get open and trading again for the Christmas season that's Jana Mulaney from Molly's Bar in Middleton let me go to political correspondent Sean Defoe because a lot of people saying this morning that this was a massive U-turn by the government which two weeks ago stood up to Neffet and said no not going there and and Leo Vradkar tore a new one for them on the Clare Bourne show uh, but two weeks later, they told them so, didn't they, Sean Defoe? Good morning.
17: Yeah, they did, yeah, very much so, and I, I put that to Leo Varadkar last night at his press conference to the he owed Neff some sort of an apology because Uh, as you mentioned, two weeks ago, completely highly critical, trash. Neffet, it was was, uh, almost tantamount to a kind of a uh, political, public opinion assassination piece, you know, he really dug the knife into the back of Neffet uh, and now they are taking their advice and you wonder if we'd done it two weeks ago where we might be the Taoiseach and the Taoiseach both defended it, they both said they thought giving level 3 a go was worth actually doing, that level 3 was quite strict and they hoped it would work and they feel there's some evidence that it's worked in Donegal but it clearly hasn't worked elsewhere Um, and the Tornish just stood over his comments. He said I, he felt the uh, the criticism was valid at the time of how it was presented, how it was sprung on ministers and sprung on the nation um, without any sort of preparation was was quite unfair. Whereas now they have had the two weeks to consider it to see if the other options worked and when they didn't uh, and when they were able to put all the other bits in place and, and supports and etc but uh, now is the right time to do it.
3: Part of Hall Martin's speech last night Sean was into you can't just do this overnight kind of thing you have to prepare and you have to plan and you have to see what's viable and see what's not. People are screaming well you had the whole summer to put that stuff there so is that washing any turnips with, with people that they had to get ready for this?
17: And with the public, it doesn't seem to be no. I think a lot of people are frustrated, while also accepting that look, this is a big decision. Obviously, it should take a good level of scrutiny. I think uh, from just talking to people in government over the weekend, when they were seemingly you know putting this decision off, there was a serious amount of of uh, of legwork to get through to figure everything out. For example, legislation had to be drafted over fines, more legislation to be drafted. It's gone to cabinet today over another eviction ban, and um, that there was lots of other things to consider. So, for example, change. Changes to the pop rate, changes to the wage subsidy scheme, 150,000 people out of work. What is that going to mean uh, socially and economically? So, like, it, we shouldn't lose the sight of the fact that this is an absolutely massive uh, decision and maybe some more legwork should have been done on it. But whenever you were implementing it, you have to look at it uh, as a whole in, in the time that it's happening. It's well and good to say, okay, well, we're prepared for level five in August in case we need it in October, but you still have to look at what's going on here and what's going on in the rest of the world and to actually to be able to
3: put that into practice right, Sean, thank you very much for that, that's Sean Defoe uh, political correspondent we will return after the news to the implications of stepping up to uh, level 5 again I'll remind you of the various supplements that are there this morning but thanks to Fiona, we've just had another update from the mean streets as it were, she's been talking this time to uh, Shane Kennedy uh, from O'Mahony Jewelers
18: my name is Shane Kennedy and I'm from Diana Omani Jewelers on Wintrop Street. So
0: Shane, what's happening here now?
18: At the moment, um, we've got the sandbags at the door. The water is about, I'd say, up to knee level outside on the street. Um, and myself and Ronan are just taking turns bailing the water, for, which is getting through the sandbags at the front door. Um, that's what's going on so far for the past hour
0: and I mean last night you were told that level 5 lockdown was being introduced and you'd be closed for 6 weeks so are you hoping today would be a bit of a bumper day for business?
18: I suppose we were hoping that we'd get um, the, the, the last bit of uh, cash flow in before we had to shut our doors um, at the moment uh, you can't even walk down the street so it doesn't look like you'll be able to get down here for at least another hour before we can even start trading, that's if we have ourselves dried up by then
0: I know, I mean like is the carpet destroyed or is it just here at just kept here? Watch yeah. yourself
18: there I'm just throwing a bucket of water right.
0: <laughs> um, and I mean like looking at the flood water, I mean it's disgusting isn't it? It looks fairly
18: filthy Yeah but I suppose it's a bit of an improvement of the floods of 15-20 uh, years ago it's uh, a lot cleaner but it's still fairly dirty out there and it's not what you want flowing into your shop especially when you're trying to get the place looking nice for Christmas
0: have you seen anything as bad as this since 2009?
18: Um, well, we were flooded in 2014. Um, it seemed to have gone under the radar, but um, the place was destroyed. We had our highest uh, highest ever flood um, in 2014. Just a minor one. This We've, ju- we've checked it out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's great that you can laugh at a time like this. It, it's what gets us through, I think. Uh, floods and pandemics and and all that is our ability to laugh. Thank you Fiona for that. More to come from the mean streets throughout the course of the morning as we follow uh, the floods until they eventually begin to recede which we're told they will in the next hour or so. City Council still saying to people do not come into town until at least 11 o'clock unless your visit is essential.
2: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM
3: some questions coming in about the implications of the Level 5. I've been going through the various supplements available to us this morning. Some very good ones. There's a really good one in the Echo. There's an excellent one in the Independent. Of course, you've all got the uh, many of you should have at least the government's wall chart type plan. I might tell you now that's actually not worth the paper it's printed on this morning, there's so many nuances in the new level 5. I will get to that and also to find out what exactly or how exactly they plan to keep the schools open. Mihal Martin insisting that they will. Can it be done though? I'll be checking up with the president of the association of secondary teachers. But first, let's hear a bit more from Peter Marks, uh, where Fiona caught up with Valerie there to describe how their morning had gone with the great floods of 2020.
19: My name is Valerie, and this is Peter Mark, Windsor Street. OK, so just tell me a little bit about the damage here today. Um, well, we came in this morning, it was perfect. And then at about 5 to 9, the water just started flowing in, so, like, the whole salon's like a swimming pool. And... They'll be stock damaged and we have no towels left. <laughs> I mean, you have sandbags up, but they just didn't yeah, seem to work, did it? it? Nothing at all. No, no. And I mean, we have flood barriers. We didn't put them up last night, but it wasn't flooded when we came in this morning. So we're having the back ones put up now.
0: Today and tomorrow is going to be your really busy days before you closed for yeah. six weeks. So yeah, what's so happening with appointments?
19: We've had to cancel this morning's appointments and then we'll reschedule them for this afternoon. Are the morning, so this the ones that are ringing today, we can only put on a cancellation list because uh, we have to acknowledge the fact that we have had clients they so really didn't worry. need this this morning, really didn't need this this morning, no, but what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> and what time do you reckon you'll be open at again? The fire brigade are saying about lunchtime,
3: yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, city Council still telling people stay out of the city centre until 11 o'clock. ...or after it, unless your trip is essential. That's Valerie from uh, Peter Mark. Staying across the flood situation, if we get any more from uh, down the town from Fiona, we'll certainly bring it to you. But I want to focus back on the story that's dominating the news and dominating our programme this morning. And that is the decision last night announced by the Taoiseach, Mihal Martin, that we are moving from midnight tomorrow night to Level 5 and remind us again of what the restrictions will be.
4: There should be no social or family gatherings in homes or gardens, but visits on compassionate grounds and for caring purposes can continue. We have decided that attendance at weddings will be maintained at 25 guests. Restaurants, cafes and bars will be permitted to provide takeaway services only. Only essential retail may remain open. Everyone in the country has been asked to stay at home, with exercise permitted within a five-kilometre radius of your home. Only essential workers whose physical presence in the workplace are permitted to travel to work. Those who can work from home must do so. Construction work is essential and will continue during this phase, while most manufacturing will also remain open.
3: So we will stay at home as much as we can, We can't meet our friends, our children can't meet their friends in their friends' homes,
4: but they can go to school. It is the view of government, supported by the advice of NEFET, that our schools and childcare services should remain open. This is necessary because we cannot and will not allow our children and young people's futures to be another victim of this disease. They need their education,
3: of course, they do. Anne Piggott, president of the Association of Secondary Teachers, but but is this practical? Good morning.
4: Good morning,
12: PJ. And um, this is a bit of a mixed bag of measures. Even listening there, where you can have twenty five at a wedding, that's level three, um, and then there are certain restrictions that are level four, like schools, because the plan says schools will open levels one, two, three, four. At level five, it was meant to be recommend, recommendations based on the situation and evidence at the time. Now. At all costs, it appears that schools will be open. And there are issues, I think you just mentioned, about children not being able to meet each other in other settings. Um, they're going into schools while they're sitting in classrooms, in safe classrooms where they're a metre apart and the teacher is two metres back with prospects around the desk. Well, that's all very safe and there's plenty of sanitizer. But in reality, they're mingling at break time. They're not wearing masks. They may be mingling on buses um parents may be gathering at the gates of schools. So there there are issues that are would worry us in certain ways.
3: What are your members saying to you, Anne, about this?
12: They're saying different things. Some members would prefer to be at school than to be remote teaching. But overall, there is a huge fear and worry, stress, anxiety. It kind of every day in, w- in work, it's get through the day, get through the hour, get through the week. And then they're looking forward to their midterm break, which is next week, and it's so deserved. Um, but there is huge trepidation and worry and fear, particularly for teachers who go home to elderly parents or vulnerable partners.
3: Mm. You can also have a situation as occurred to in in Crosshaven in the last few days where one teacher picked it up from a uh, whatever source and brought it into the staff room. And before you know it, you've got people who are close contacts, isolating, and you only have a staff in a small school and school's gone for a few days.
12: Yeah, and that has happened in other schools and we're hearing of maybe nine or ten teachers out and schools are barely remaining open. Now, at least in those schools, I suppose, the close contacts have been identified, but we are also hearing rumours of schools where um, people, in one instance, where a, t- a teacher was told by a parent who rang them that they may be a close contact or we've also heard of um, people who've been tested positive who've been reporting their numbers of close contacts who were never contacted. So mm. that's a huge worry and issue for our members too.
3: What about teachers who themselves are, are vulnerable? Uh, you know, they, they, some of them have even asked to work from home because of underlying conditions. So can, can they do that? Should it be considered more now that we are going into level five?
12: Okay, so in Ireland we seem to have two categories. We have very high risk and high risk that may not exist in other countries, but our very high-risk teachers, some of those at this stage have been sorted and they're at home and they're working remotely. We now have about 800 other teachers who are high-risk and have applied to be allowed to work remotely from home, and they haven't. But now when we're in Level 5 and the numbers are huge outside of society, now those teachers are very, very worried. And they would like accommodations to either work from home or even to work in school with maybe smaller classes, or even to work remotely even within the school. Um, Again, they're quite
3: worried. Okay. I know that both yourself and the INTO have secured a meeting with members of NEFID, which I think is happening today. What's likely to come up at that meeting?
12: Uh, Well, um, I'm not sure if it's more a briefing or a meeting, but I presume we'll be allowed to bring our points across um we're obviously going to raise the, the issues that are um pertinent for teachers and issues that need to be resolved with teachers but again let's remember we've been bringing up a lot of these issues now since before even the schools opened but particularly the ones that interest our members are the contact tracing and the testing times and and that seems to depend on the area Um, Some are being done quite fast, but we've heard reports of tests that are taking four days, five days before they come back. And then if they're positive at that point, then the contacts have to be traced um, and then they have to go through the same process. And if we look at the numbers that are in schools, um, we'll say on the 18th of September, there were 142 positive cases in schools. On the 19th of October, there were 246 positive cases in schools. Um, maybe compared to the whole number, it's not very big, but it's certainly growing. And the other point is teachers don't necessarily know who is positive, who has been tested positive, or as well, we're hearing that sometimes students might have any symptoms or might have such minor symptoms that it doesn't even become an issue. And, and, and there's
3: the thing, so many young people, particularly teenagers, the high proportion of totally asymptomatic cases that are there, that's a worry.
12: Yeah, that is a very, very big worry for our members. And um, when there is a lack of, you know, testing is slow, there isn't regular testing either. So we have no way of knowing. And while students might be safer, we have to remember the numbers in the school community who um, are adults. You're talking everybody from secretaries, to caretakers, to teachers, to school managers, um, SNAs who work very closely with students it's all very concerning for the adults involved and also for some vulnerable students. Mm. And as well as that, if it's in the school, it's going to go back out into the community too.
3: And north of the border, there's now going to be a two-week midterm break instead of just next week. Now, it's handy with next week that the schools are closed anyway. Might it be worth considering, and i don't put in your ASDI president's hat on and speaking with some authority on behalf of your members would there be a feeling that maybe we should just extend the midterm break by a second week just to give this thing time to bed in?
12: Well, I know that, the well, I had read that the government down here were trying to do things as close as possible as um, above the border. But I suppose the schools in the north are closed this week and next week. Our schools close for midterm next week, that's one week. And when people have to isolate, it's two weeks, that's 14 days. And that's where the term sort of circuit breaker is coming from. And that would be two whole weeks where maybe it could stop the spread of the infection. But we're open this week and we're closed next week. And I think because we're closed next week, that the numbers that we'll actually get back the week after that or the week after that might be skewed because people won't have been at school. And if if maybe we look at the longer picture after three or four weeks, um, Mm. it will be interesting to see will the numbers come down with these very serious restrictions put on people. Do, do you or think or two weeks
3: might be a better bet than?
12: Well, I suppose the idea of breaking the circuit um, could, w- that's where the two weeks would be of benefit but I'm saying that personally not on behalf of all my members because we, ha- we don't have a, a policy on this we ha- our executive have not discussed that as a union. Okay,
3: okay. What about the youngsters themselves um, teenagers in particular are their anxiety levels gone up do you think? Are they worried?
12: Yeah, I mean, some students are very worried and always have been. And if we go back even to March, at that point, some students used to come in and clean down the desks rigor- rigorously at that point. Whereas others, um, even at that point in March, if I told them to wash their hands after they were using the computer, they couldn't understand the logic of it. Whereas now I expect that they're taking it all the more seriously. Some are, but some are. And again, as somebody wrote to me last night and said, Complacency is setting in. Now, we've seen the complacency in shops where um, before on the way in you'd get the sanitizer put into your hand, whereas now in some shops you have to go and find it. And likewise, school students may get complacent and we have to make sure that the sanitizer is constantly filled, people keep their distances, people do everything they can to keep everyone safe.
3: Okay. Listen, thank you very much for that. Anne Piggott, President of the Association of Secondary Teachers, of course. Anne uh, from Cork. Mick says the health experts say it's okay, so why do the teachers always have a problem? That's Mick, and Brian's been in touch. Hey, PJ, listening here. To be fair, there are thousands working in manufacturing and pharmaceutical and not complaining, and they're living with with vulnerable people. I think teachers need to get real and get on with teaching and be lucky to have work. Might get slated for saying this, but I'm blessed to have my job with so many out of work. 1850 715 On the flooding, Jackie is asking people, avoid Douglas Street. Dunbar Street is closed, so there's no turning off, and traffic backed up right up to Evergreen Street. A very important question here is, a bar- if a tidal barrier was built at Roaches Point, would today's floods have been avoided? That's from Damien. I don't think anybody really knows Damien. Just on the restrictions on level five, I don't get it. Are airports left open and ferries left open? If the country's in full lockdown, every place should be closed and only lorry drivers and other such workers allowed. Does anyone know if the NCTs are going ahead? Uh, If if so, my test centre's more than five kilometres from home. Will I be fined if I go to it? or is it essential do you know what I will check that for you because I've seen it written down in one of the supplements and I'll be right back
4: question number 10 finish this movie titled Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas Laura what's your full name Laura Kennedy and you're from Glenville you've won 2000 no you're way <laughs>
19: oh that's unbelievable ke- 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 that's how you do it well, I can't believe that Laura. Hello.
16: Your,
2: your mummy has just won loads of, money. loads of money. What do you want? Another winner. There you go, there you go. A 2 Grand Minute. Listen to play.
13: At 7:40 and 8:40 every day.
2: Casey and Ross in the morning
13: on Corks 96 FM.
2: This is Cork's gold, Imro award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
13: Text or WhatsApp now 083 396
3: 96 96 on Corks 96 FM. On that NCTs question, NCTs that are already booked, if you've already got an appointment, it can continue as of this morning. It can continue. However, can you travel to it? Well, according to the Irish Independence Supplement, it doesn't come under the reasons of traveling outside the five kilometer limit. It's a bit of an anomaly, actually. You can, but, but then again, it is an essential trip. Like, if you've got to go down to Little Island for the NCT and and you live out in the other side of town, you're outside your 5k, bring your appointment, show it to the guard, is what I'd be inclined to say to you. But it doesn't come under the list. It will be open for existing appointments. But it doesn't come under the list of what's essential travel. I guess it'll be a judgment call for people. 15996, Just a flooding update. Briefly, we have had a WhatsApp message from Susan in Carrigaline.
0: Hi, PG, I know that the city centre is obviously seriously flooded, but Carrigaline is literally—it's just a swimming pool. It's you cannot—you cannot access uh, the road to Crosshaven. It's it's just not possible on the way down, and on the way back from Crosshaven, it has taken me an hour and forty-five minutes to get from Cloish to Mira, to try and get back to Carrigaline. So just please, just let people know, PJ, that it's it's Carrigaline is really a no-go area at the moment. It is there's feet, there's like two or three feet of water, and it's it's really really bad. So just stay away from it if you can. Stay at home. Just, just make sure so many cars are stuck. Um, I'm in a Jeep and even I'm struggling.
3: Susan, thank you for that. Sent in to us by WhatsApp, which you can do. Uh, wait, 3, 396 96 96. Feel free to send us a voice note if there's anywhere that you'd like us to know about in terms of flood and flunt f- flood damage. Tiffany, Jewel carriageway is at a crawl inbound. Callers in Barrancolig and says the weir isn't visible this morning. He believes the water should have been held back at the dam for a few hours. Believes it wasn't, and that's why we're seeing so much flooding. We don't know that for sure, but that's the caller's view on that. Uh, Should water have been held back at the dam? We don't know. Was water held back at the dam? We don't know. But the caller says they can't see the weir in Barrancolig, which, to be fair, that's usually a pretty good indication of what's happening. 185715996 back to schools and the the insistence by the teacher class night that the schools will remain open throughout this and a lot of support for it now to be very fair a lot of people saying look keep the schools open let the kids go to school they've missed out on so much they, they've missed their exams they've missed their graduations they've missed loads and get them back there and let's do it safely and other people saying well look they did it all over the world they got kids back to school slowly but carefully and the number of cases in schools, as a fraction, if you like, or as a proportion of the, re- of the case number, is very small. There's all those arguments for, but then there are arguments against. And some people, like Mary, are just nervous. Mary, good morning to you.
13: Morning, PJ. How are you?
3: Good. How many have you got going?
13: <laughs> I have one. She's okay. 16.
3: Okay. How does she feel about it?
13: She's anxious. You know, she's, she's nervous, but she'll go. Yeah. Do you know, Now, I, can... no, I have an underlying condition myself. So she's afraid that if she gets anything, that she'd bring it home to me, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, as I said to her, just, you know, keep cleaning your hands, wear your mask. And I said, you'll you, you will be fine, you know? But she is nervous and she is anxious. I've seen that now.
3: I think, to be fair to a lot of teenagers, and it's come in for a fair amount of flack over the last few weeks, I've probably been guilty of it too. But for the most part, they know what to do and they're doing it.
13: Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, she is knowing, even if I kind of like when I go to town once a week to my shop and she'd come with me and she'd wear the mask all through town and if anyone bumps against her she'd freeze you know mm. and the minute she comes in home she actually had her hands cut from washing them Yeah. you know she is She is ner- No, she will go to school she will carry on because I feel she probably needs it and she can have a chat with the friends and things like that but the child is like she is very nervous and I'm, I am nervous myself in case she'd bring it home to me
3: do you think it would be a better idea to maybe extend the midterm break by a second week or maybe even start it straight away?
13: Well, I suppose if they gave them an extra week, it wouldn't be too bad. You know what I mean? You know? But like, at the end of the day, I suppose they're going to lose out on their friends then. Yeah. You know, if they give if them an extra week, they're going to lose out on their friends and like, She go in and she have a chat with her friends. She come home. That's it. She doesn't go outside the door. She we just keep to ourselves. The three of us in the house.
3: How how has she been coping otherwise? How did she cope? Say during the first lockdown.
13: Well, in the first lockdown, there were she was doing school online, which was great. And then she had um, she's belonged to uh, performing arts. So they were able to do that in line with Carder and she loved it and it was fantastic and she was able to see people and things like that and it was great. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that it helped. Okay. You know, she wasn't going outside the door but like she was doing her classes online you know, and it was fantastic. Okay.
3: Alright, Mary, thank you very much for that. Now stay safe and look stay after each you other. Thank care. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 1850 715 996. Just on the flood barrier, a lot of people commenting this morning that a flood barrier would have ...prevented what happened this morning. And I said I don't know, and I think a lot of people don't know. I'm getting peppered with messages on Twitter. Donald says, yeah, every engineer does know. Tidal barriers would have sorted this. OK, thank you. That's grand. Paul and Cove, just to answer the question, yes, a tidal barrier at Rochers Point... ...would have prevented the flooding. The barrier would be closed two hours before high tide... ...and opened again two hours after. It works in London and in many other places... Great show. Thank you, Paul. I, listen, I'm not an engineer. I know bugger all about tidal barriers. But if there's something can prevent what happened this morning, then, yeah, let's go and build the blasted thing. Even if you have to get the Healy Rays to build it, just build it. 1850 715
1: Access all areas on Corks. Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
13: 96
15: FM Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment Despite being closed at the moment Sirius Arts Centre continues to offer digital showcases of their current exhibitions Visions of an Unsettled Air features new and recent works Created by the Cork County-based artists Debbie Godsell, Fiona Kelly and Sarah O'Flaherty And to accompany this digital showcase Sirius is publishing a new commissioned essay By Cork City-based art critic and curator Sarah Kelleher Access all areas Coming to the Everyman in November Cahoots presents a solo show from Irish comedian Ty Kickey It's part theatre, part stand-up With tickets on sale now From the Everyman's website Everymancork.com
2: Access all areas
15: Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas If you have a rescheduled show coming up Or any live streaming events By emailing AAA at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on side On
13: Cork's 96FM Cork's 96FM
3: Remember what I said about the listeners being on the production crew on a morning like this? Thank you, people. Uh, two calls. An NCT office, this listener was on to them. Uh, the travel over five kilometres is permitted to go to your NCT. And another call from Ursula to say that she just got a text from NCT to say that her test this Friday is still confirmed has been cleared as an essential service. Thank you for that. Let's go back to uh, coronavirus and level five. And people are saying since the last few weeks anyway, why are we panicking about the rising numbers? The hospital numbers are really small and it's those ones we need to worry about. So looking at the official figures as given to us from the hub this morning, and I'm reading them from the COVID tracker app, So in the last 24 hours, there have been 41 hospital admissions, 25 discharges. The total number in hospital with confirmed cases as of this morning is 315. There have been three new intensive care admissions and two discharges. So the total numbers in intensive care in the last 24 hours, according to the COVID tracker app, is 32. Dr. Catherine Motherway is president of the Irish... the, 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 the Intensive Care Society of Ireland. Beg your pardon. And she joins me again. Catherine, good morning to you.
20: Good morning. You keep forgetting, PJ, I, uh, I am no longer the president, I'm the former president.
3: You're the former president. That's not, not right. But yeah. you, maybe you're a bit like the presidents of the United States. They they remain Mr. President for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so a... God, no. I hope not. <laughs> Catherine, no, um, no problem. Listen, um, can you... Break this down into simple numbers for people. I think what you and your colleagues are saying is we do not want to get back to a situation like we had in March and April, where there was no room for anybody else in ICU except COVID cases. Are we close to that?
20: I'll tell you, what, what, what we know is that, as the, and at the moment we're seeing a lot of really young people with this disease, because obviously young people had to go out and work, young people were so, uh, socialising, as, as they do normally, and they are the people who had to go out and work and go back to work, and people were working in areas where they, you know, might have been working where they couldn't work from home. So there's been a very high instance in younger people, as you can see the, age of the median age of the cases has come way down. In the beginning they were only testing people who were sick and symptoms. Now we're testing contacts and contact tracing people. So what we do know as the numbers rise, there is a lag in the number that end up going to hospital and the number end up that require intensive care and sadly the number of people who will die. And we do know that as the case numbers rise, you can't protect the vulnerable populations because we're we're a social animal we like each other we meet each other so what's been happening this time round is while the numbers are at the same and higher than they were in March they're a different population Mm. but also we know that when the that famous R number um, is high like you know when it's only two people that have it if the R number is two it'll be four people that have it tomorrow when it's a thousand people that have it and the R number is high it will be 2,000 people that have it in a few days' time. So as the numbers grow, the growth becomes exponential. As the growth becomes exponential, our contact tracers aren't able to keep up with the numbers, which is what Tony Hullen has said. So we can't find the people who are contacts. We can't quarantine them, and that is the key. Mm. The key to this disease is finding the people who have it, treating the people who have it, isolating those people, and then finding their contacts and isolating them so and that is a key thing in controlling this disease and that is I think where Asian countries are better than we have been Um what we're learning obviously yeah and um, and I mean they have managed to control this disease because they were used to in this and they have had previous coronavirus outbreaks so they have a better handle on that I think than we do mm. and obviously when the numbers grow as they have done in, since the lockdown ended over the summer um, it, you know the growth the ca- the in cases has got such that we are actually no longer on top of it which is why the government and NEFET felt that they had to impose these restrictions upon us
3: Is there a percentage like a predictable percentage of people who will end up in hospital and a percentage of those that will end up in ICU and that kind of skews a graph so as your case numbers go up the probability of more people in ICU goes up proportionally
20: yeah and, and at the beginning of the pandemic they said it was um, five to ten percent of people would require critical care and obviously at that point in time people didn't realize how much asymptomatic carriage this disease there was the figure I saw lately published by Net- it was 5 in a 1,000 requiring um, intensive care. So, um, And the thing about patients who require intensive care with this disease is they need to stay in intensive care for much longer than our usual intensive care patients. So the average length of stay for someone who requires critical care in Ireland up to 2018 was about, I think, about 6 days, 5.88 or 6 days. The average length of stay for patients with coronavirus is, in fact, 12 to 14 days. So they stay much longer so obviously we, we, we get them in and we get them out obviously Which um, puts,
3: puts, puts pressure on bed numbers for pressure. other people
20: uh, Yeah, It does and we want to be able to treat uh, since from the beginning we've always wanted to be able to treat everybody with an emergency, we want everybody who needs to come to hospital to come to hospital, not to be afraid to come to hospital but we want to be able to continue to provide scheduled elective care. We want people who need their heart surgery to have it, who need their vascular surgery to have it, who need their cataracts to have it. We want to do all of that and if we have to divert a lot of our healthcare service to COVID care, we won't be able to do that.
3: Are we close to a tipping point there Catherine?
20: Um, No, we're continuing, most most of us are being able to continue to provide elective care but some hospitals as I understand it have been challenged in the last number of weeks and this disease is funny, there's always little hot spots in various different countries, like in, in, in the UK, London was particularly badly hit. Manchester is currently very badly hit. And obviously, Cavan has been hit badly in quite a significant number of cases. Based on pub media reports, I'm not intimately related with it. And Paul Reid has referred to a number of hospitals that are actually having difficulty. And as the community transmission rises in a region, that is when the local hospital will get stretched. And it takes about two weeks the case numbers to translate into hospital admissions, about another five or ten days for that to translate into increased pressure in intensive care units. And sadly, um, from there on, um, people who do get admitted, not all of them survive, obviously yeah. most, most do, but we do lose life, both in the community and in hospital with this yeah. disease. So and we can fix it. We yeah. can fix it if we just all If we all just, if work we just together. down.
3: And of course, when we do Hopefully come out of level five in time for Christmas. Hopefully the numbers will have gone way down. There's a letter published in the Irish Times from Neffert, to the government saying that we could, if we did this right, be down to 50 to 100 cases a day nationally by the end of six weeks. But sure, when we open up again, unless we have a plan, the numbers will just rise again and we'll be in trouble again by the end of January.
20: Well, we will, yeah, so, there was, so I think Micheál Martin did suggest that there would be a series of, you know, varying restrictions. But I would like us all to realise that governments have some responsibility and people have responsibility. So it is the government's responsibility to resource and sort out contact tracing, finding the cases, isolating the cases and quarantine them. It is the people's responsibility, if they have a positive test, if they're awaiting a positive test, to quarantine themselves they shouldn't be going to work, they shouldn't be doing anything else, they should stay at home and stay away from their family. It is our responsibility not to go to work with a cold anymore. We used to do that before, we can't do that now. It is our responsibility to maintain social distance as much as we can in our normal daily lives, including if you're going to visit extended family for any good reason um, that is required under the legislation at the moment and when the legislation and the rules change still do the social distancing at home. You can still have your family over, but you can sit at either end of a long table. You can wash your hands. You can wear your mask. You can wear your mask where you can't social distance. But remember, the mask isn't the be-all and the end-all. You have to do it all. So this is a combined effort from the community, who unfortunately have to yet again comply with these restrictions, but it is to good end, um, and then when we get out again, maybe the next time we'll be a little more, um, you know, most of it has been very careful, I'm hasten to add, mm. but we we'll, we we just understand more now, I think, how infectious it is. We now know that people can have it and not know they have it. Yeah. So if you assume you have it, you might have a symptom in the world, but just assume you have it. And then try not to give it to anyone else. And to do that, you keep away from them. You can talk to them, but keep a distance, wear your mask, wash your hands to within an inch of your life, um, carry alcohol gel if you can in your car and, uh, you know, do all of those things. So if you go around the place thinking like you have it and you don't want to give it to anyone else, maybe we can open up like Asian societies have with better um, and less rapid growth in cases so each time we'll learn And okay.
3: um,
20: I think that's oh. the most important thing
3: Okay, listen Catherine, thank you very much that's Dr Catherine Motherway the former president of the Intensive Care Society of Ireland uh, based in Limerick, 1850 715 996 on the subject of what she says there about work and it's not a matter for a doctor, it's a matter for our rulers, as it were she said if you have a sniffle if you have what you think is just a cold, do not go to work. The only thing is there needs to be a provision there because I'm blue in the face from hearing people saying, I can't do that. I won't get paid. Or my boss will tell me that's coming out of your holidays. 1850 Back to Fiona for a sec because there's an update on the floods. The council have told us or told people to stay out of the city until 11 o'clock Have we anything further to add to that, Fiona? Good morning.
7: Good morning PJ, yes, since I was last talking to you now, there have been a lot of streets that have cleared um, including around the Quays and South Mall, now there is still a little bit of surface water on South Mall, particularly around the footpath, but the the road itself is clear it's traffic, Um, the side streets coming off that then, Pembroke Street um, is pretty clear now at this stage, yeah it is, I'm just looking at it there now, so the main area really that's flooded is Oliver Plunkett Street and it's that kind of central area of Oliver Sunken Street from the GPO uh, down to, um, to kind of halfway, or just nearly, it's nearly down as far as grand, um, the Grand Parade actually at the um, But the problem is, PJ, that whilst all of the floodwaters on the quays and on the South Mall were able to flow back into the river, on this area here, there's no pump to bring it down that direction and uh, it needs to go into the into the drain. And for the water to go into the drains, it needs to have, the river needs to have dropped a little bit. So that's why it's taking a little bit longer here than it is in the other areas. Now, the scene at the minute, the fire brigade are here, the civil defence, the Cork City Council, and they're all trying to pump, trying to get that water out and trying to get it into the drains at the minute. And a lot of the businesses now, doors are open, but they're not maybe not open for business just yet. Um, a few places are, they, there's dehumidifiers going here and, I see people with uh, brushes trying to get the water out of their premises. But, you know, uh, most of the businesses did have sandbags up or had flood protection barriers up and were saved the worst of it. Now, I did speak to people, um, Peter Marks, hairdressers on Winthrop Street, um, they said that when they came in early this morning, there was no flooding and then all of a sudden they were hit and they had to move appointments around. And... um, You know, other businesses that I spoke to said that they were preparing to come in today for a really, really busy day. They have two days of trade left before the lockdown kicks in. And then they came in and they were faced with this. So the council is um, advising people. Now, there are a lot more people in the city than there were earlier on when I was speaking to you. A lot of people have come in to do business or come in to do their shopping. There's a lot of people coming in just to have a look, to see what's happening. But um, You know, uh, they are, the the council is advising that it's going to be at least another hour before Oliver Fulker Street is cleared.
3: Okay, okay. Fiona, thank you for that very detailed update from the mean flooded streets. That's Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. So the water is receding, but the river hasn't dropped enough yet for it to hit the drains. That's just science simple science. The water has to go down a certain level before the rest of it will enter the drains. Thanks for that, Fiona. About another hour, they're saying. 1857 and Thanks to Melanie. That's Melanie from Happy Cats category Cattery out in Carrigodrugher, where the two ladies of the house go for their holidays. Uh, As you know, says Melanie, I live behind the dam in Carrigodrugher. The water levels are lower than I've seen all year. So the dam must be open. Thanks, Mel. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Also, Pierce McCarthy from the newsroom tells us that George's key is closed off. There's debris from a building there. Uh, just they they're clearing the debris, but the road is still closed. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Let us go to Michael Melanie. Is it Melanie?
9: It is, that'll do fine. Good
3: man, Michael. Now, uh, yeah. you've run Women's Fitness Cork for the last 10 years, closing tomorrow for the second time this year.
9: Yeah, the Taoiseach said last night, uh, you know, he reckons a, a sense of disappointment and despair, and he understands it, but we certainly, we're certainly we certainly feeling that. You know, we, we had it on the 16th of March, seven months ago, last Friday when we closed, and we were closed for, I think, 109 days or something like that, and I suppose we did console ourselves. Going, you know, when we reopen, going, look, at least it's not as bad as things used to be. But um, unfortunately, we're, we're we're back in that situation again. And we have a gym in Limerick, we have women's fitness in Limerick, uh, and we have a, a yoga studio in Dublin. And unfortunately, and I suppose what my fear is, is our yoga studio closed when Dublin went into level three. That was the 18th of September. And that was originally, I think, for two or three weeks. Um, and then that got extended when everywhere went to level three, and then it got extended now again until the second of December. So, hopefully, the, I suppose I knock everyone. Um, hopefully, there'll be some end to this, but it's it, it's kind of hard to see the wood from the trees at this stage. Yeah,
3: there was an argument being made in some circles that for the benefits of our physical and mental health, that that gyms might be allowed to remain open if they have the space to do so. Would it have been possible for you to remain open at all?
9: Absolutely. You know, we, we've adapted, we've really adapted over the past few months. You know, we did some stuff outdoors and um, we've changed our social distancing. And, and in essence, if you're inside the gym, uh, if you think of the gym about, you know, two and a half thousand square feet uh, and you're looking at maybe 20 people in there, that's the guts of 100 square feet per person, 10 by 10. And that's fair social distancing. Um, you, the, 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 Eamon Ryan mentioned last night about uh, school being a controlled environment. I, I think it's a, a fair argument that gyms are a controlled environment as well. Hmm. Um, you, you've got plenty of ha- sanitization. You've got a
3: lot of head, sw- head, hot, sweaty bodies and heavy breathing as well, though.
9: You do, but you have a fair distance between them, you know, and I don't think anyone's going to say that, they, that, that, that there'd be anything like there was maybe in, in, in some of the pubs in Dublin, Temple Bar, back in, in, um, in, in, in March, you know, or, or, or May, whenever the, 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 the pubs kind of caused a bit of... Uh, for our, A gym is a different environment. And I do, yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there is sweaty bodies and there is sweat. But the studies that have been done, there was a study done in Australia, 8 million gym visits in what was their winter, so that's over the past number of months, not a single uh, associated case. Yeah. And uh, a study in the UK over the past few months, 7 million gym visits and 17 associated cases, which on a percentage basis is... It's
3: negligible, you know? It is. It is indeed. Michael, it, there's there's a lot of sense in what, in what you say, although I think also, to counter it, Dr. Fauci in the US has been saying that pubs and gyms, and there's a third one, I can't recall what it is, Fergal will know off the top of his head, but pubs and gyms are two of the top three so, sources. So I, I guess it depends on what study you, you read. But look, finally, is this sustainable for a business like yours?
9: Do you know what I suppose... But the one thing i say is the the, the the good thing that happened yesterday was that they extended or increased the, the, the wage subsidy scheme. That allows us to keep, you know, um, uh, employees on the payroll, which is, that's a positive thing. And we've pivoted, you know, it's a cliche term, but we have, we've pivoted. During the lockdown, we moved online, we moved our classes, we moved our personal training, moved our nutrition online. And we have people all over the world. We had a girl it in Italy, we had a girl in Dubai doing uh, personal training with people up the country. So is it sustainable? We're going to make it sustainable. We'll survive 10 years. We'll keep surviving through this um, with 100 classes online every week. You know, we have no choice but to do it. Uh, We have no choice but to pivot. We want to look after the customers who've been with us for years and years and years. And we want to look after, you know, the people who've been working with us for years. Some people are with us for 10 years. Uh, One girl yesterday said, please, if you can do anything, please keep me on. You know, So it's, it's a tough and desperate time for everybody.
3: Okay, Michael, thank you very much. And I wish you well over the coming weeks. I hope it, it is sustainable to be right back bouncing at the end. That's Michael Millenni from Women's Fitness. Now, a difference in level five. Initially, it said six at a wedding and 10 at a funeral. But now it's 25 at a wedding and 10 at a funeral. And and that is not going down well Henry Black is a funeral director in Cove and the president of their Association of Funeral Directors. Henry, good morning. Oh, how are you? I'm not good too way. bad. People are very disappointed with the fact that weddings can have 25 people, out a funeral, only 10.
21: I, uh, be, be, very true. I think it's wrong, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like in fairness, uh, I maintain that, that if. if a, a, a wedding is inside a church with with 25 people and you take a funeral into the same church and you only can have 10 people mm. now I, I don't know who came up with them figures yeah you know yeah. They, 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 they should have looked into a bit more
3: these Just have been the very fact. hard times for anyone who lost anybody be it from COVID or not the limitations oh, yeah. on funerals have been really hard
21: it is very hard. Like, just hard on people at the best of times without putting them
3: stipulations into it. Yeah. You, you take know, you, Coleman's Cathedral as a prime example. Well, like,
21: when you talk about tenants in Saint Coleman's Cathedral, they'd be lost in there. Yeah. No, I meant 10, They should have done uh, the seating capacity of, of the building should come into play in it and uh, fix their number on that. Like, like St. Cormac's Cathedral would carry hundreds of people, and you might have a smaller church, and that wouldn't, you know, w- w- wouldn't carry quarter of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think they kind of generalize things too much.
3: Yeah. You say that you're not going to stand at the door of any church and count people.
21: I'm definitely not going to do it anyway. Yeah. No, first of all, I don't want a church.
3: Yeah. So I suppose I, the, the thing is, Henry, that you know it better than anybody. Funerals are emotional times, and and people hugging and shaking of hands and just holding people. It's 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 what we do as funerals. and It's an important part of the funeral, but in the context of a pandemic, it's so dangerous.
21: Well, uh, you, you you'd have to curtail the the the, the, the hugging and the the sh- the shaking of hands, but. Even the, no matter what you do, with this, there'll be a few who can get through anywhere. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you can't watch everything, and then I'm not going to go up and say, "Sorry, you can't do this." Yeah, yeah. You know, I might say, "Look, be careful." That's all. Yeah, all right. You know, you, you have you have to leave a certain amount of of, of uh, um, what would you call it? Uh, to look for them to look after themselves Indeed. too, like be responsible for the own yeah
3: Henry, it's been a horrible year uh, for funerals, as in we've had too many of them caused by COVID, and then so many of them that would have been, if you like, good funerals. We do good funerals in this country like nobody else in the world. Oh, we
21: are are nearly the best in the world, that is, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, and we've not been able to.
21: Exactly, you know. Yeah. You know, and parts of the funeral now is is, is possibly, and a lot of the funerals anyway, is, is... uh, going back to the hotel or somewhere for for, for uh, the meeting a, a gathering, can be
3: gambling, a gathering right?
21: yeah. Can't be done. Can't be done. It can't be done. No, unfortunately, and I I feel sorry for the people. Right? Yeah. No, I also feel feel sorry for uh, the bride and the groom at the wedding as well. Like right? they they have to curtail the wedding as well. Yes. yes. But the, the, the only consolation with that is, is if they don't want to curtail the wedding. Well, they can put it off. I know it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But like with a funeral, it, it, it has to be done within a couple of days. And that, that, that's the limit of it. like you
3: can't postpone a funeral. Henry, thank you very much for that. That's tough times ahead again for funerals. Uh, Henry Black is a funeral director in Cove the president of the House Association of Funeral Directors 10 is the limit again. We had gone, I think, to 25, or did we get as high as 50? I can't remember. We definitely got to 25 uh, in the last. Uh, what did we get? We had level 2 for a while. Forgive me. I need to check. Uh, funerals, we had, I think we had 25. 25 for a funeral. Yeah, was during level 2. But now, unfortunately, we're back down to 10.
2: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. <laughs>
3: Yeah, water's receding now pretty much everywhere. And as the tide goes down, then the streets that are still flooded, the water will head for the drains and it'll all be over again. Here's hoping it won't be back this evening. We we will find out the prospect of that. Uh, when we talk live to David Joyce at the City Council. We'll catch up with him one more time before the end of the show today. 1850 is the number. The text or WhatsApp, 83 396 The email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinion996 with the hashtag OL96. And contact us, if you will, through Facebook the Course 96 Femme Facebook page pop us a message and uh, address it for the attention of the opinion line also with regard voice message you want to send us a voice message through WhatsApp if any particular you want to say or you have seen and want to let us know about particularly in relation to the floods this morning if you just have a point to make on any particular topic we're discussing and you don't have time to take a phone call and you have more to say you can whack into a text just throw on the, the record and send us a WhatsApp voice note Frank says oh yeah this came up and thanks Frank I had forgotten to mention it I hadn't as some people are saying declined to mention I'd completely forgotten this guy gets the prize for the aegis of the week Frank says yesterday morning a press conference was held by Gardaí one of the senior Gardaí giving the conference was awaiting results of a test and should have been isolating he subsequently tested positive like that man was the sausage of the week he really was the sausage of the, the week, let alone the day. And also, there was a guy did it in Kerry about a week ago. Like, as Frank says, if the guards themselves won't follow the rules, what for the rest of us? If you're waiting the results of a test, you do nothing. You stay home and you wait for it. Please, guard, cop on. 1850 Hi, PJ. What I can understand about the lockdown is what threat are the small businesses to spreading covid most corner shops I know follow all the guidelines, as do all the hairdressers, etc. Who's going to monitor the ferry companies' constant flow of passengers to and from Ireland with no restrictions? Yeah, same. <laughs> On anti-maskers, Owen, I better be careful about this, Owen. But we'll 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 read it anyway. Could we start calling people who disagree with keeping each other safe mask debaters, and those who protest? Call them chronic masks. You know what I mean. Better said out loud, says Owen. I'll read it once and once only. Thank you, Mister K. Good luck with the sauna. Uh, yeah, thank you. There's loads. There's loads. Oh yeah, the lads are stopping. The the guards are stopping cars headed to the in the Crosshaven direction due to extensive flooding. People parked up in the little car park waiting for it to subside. Avoid the area. Says Mags, thank you for that. 1850 Now, we spoke in the last hour with Anne Piggott from the ASTI, and we listened once again to the Taoiseach's very determined clip last evening from his, from his uh, speech, where he insists that the schools will stay open. Let's have that one more time.
4: It is the view of government, supported by the advice of Neffet, that our schools and childcare services should remain open. This is necessary because we cannot and will not allow our children and young people's futures to be another victim of this disease. They need their education.
3: Now, Peter, we're not going to say what school that you you work in, but you're a teacher. Good morning to you.
4: Morning,
22: PJ. How are you doing?
3: Good. As a teacher, are you okay with continuing to keep schools open, continuing to go to work in the midst of this?
22: Yeah, look, I suppose... um, it's an extraordinary time for everybody and um, we, when we came back to school at the start of September, it wasn't without some serious concerns uh, about our personal safety and the safety of our families. But to be quite frank with you, so far, um, it's run incredibly smoothly with an incredible amount of cooperation between staff, management, pupils and parents. And overall, despite the concerns that we have when we come to school every day, I think most of us would feel that it's been quite a positive experience. And are certainly where I work. Uh, me and my colleagues are more than happy to be coming to work every single day, um, and j- without complaint. I haven't heard a single. I've heard. I've heard complaints, PJ, about maybe how we could do things a bit better, how we could keep ourselves safer. But I certainly haven't heard any complaint about um, being at work.
3: Mm. Yeah. The number of cases coming out of schools, and we've had one or two schools had to close, and we've had one or two alerts going around about it. There's a perception out there, people think that putting a thousand youngsters into a school, while at the same time, they can't play a match.
22: Yeah, look, there's inconsistency everywhere, but I suppose everybody's just trying to do their best. I I, I think, uh, from our point of view, one of the craziest narratives that's out there uh, seems to be coming. I know you had... um, our union rep on earlier. And picking the president, we're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that we're all jumping up and down looking for industrial action. I think that's very frustrating for us. For us, certainly, I can't speak for every teacher, mm. but certainly for me and my colleagues, like, it's incredibly frustrating. It is there not a mean, ballot
3: on, though, Peter?
22: There is a ballot on, but it seems to be incredibly poorly timed, PJ. Like, it seems to be like everybody's working so hard just to get through every day. You know, the conditions of work are ten times more difficult. They're to- extraordinary and...
3: Hello. Yeah, so
11: can you hear me Vijay?
3: Yeah, uh, you dropped out there for a second. You, Sorry, said, you yeah, said it's I, a very badly timed ballot. Yeah, yeah, what? Well, yeah. like, obviously so as a member me? of ASTI, you you will have had a ballot paper. What what are they asking you to ballot on?
22: Uh would you believe there's four separate ballot papers and there's a, a range of different things from from changing conditions in school without consent uh through to pay and etc cetera, etc cetera. and are you you know it does deal with questions are you happy with the safety and security but uh, of the school. Uh, to be honest with you, like, it just seems to me that everybody is just doing their best and it's, it, it's, it's unfortunate timing. Like, as, as correct as some of the issues that they're trying to raise are, really the teachers that I can speak on behalf are just concerned with making sure that we keep the schools open and that we can deliver the service every day. And they're happy to do it. And people aren't whinging and people aren't moaning and complaining. You know, and I, I got actually quite frustrated over the weekend when I opened social media and when I opened main, uh, mainstream media and to find, like, that we're balloting for strike action and could the teachers close the schools. and Like, I haven't heard a single word from a teacher sort of uh, expressing that sort of sentiment.
3: Yeah, so you don't know any of your colleagues that want to shut the schools?
22: No, I mean, our colleagues are tired. They're working extremely hard. I mean, it's very difficult... Uh, without moaning, and I'm I'm sure you're all experiencing it in your workplaces, everybody who's out there is experiencing it, when you're teaching with a mask over your face and you're teaching to a group of masked children and your whole sort of raison d'etre, in a sense, is to to develop relationships. And that's extremely difficult, you know, uh, to do in the sort of environment that you're in. Uh, People are tired and people get frustrated from time to time, but they're delighted to be at work. Yeah. You know, and, and they think it's a critical service that we have to provide and like clearly we're concerned for our colleagues who have underlying conditions and we're taking extraordinary care of ourselves in the sense of the sanitization the cleaning down of desks every day, the trying to enforce social distancing in the schools uh, but it's not without risk there's no question about that but we still haven't heard people saying we shouldn't be here i've, yeah. I've never i haven't heard one teacher express that in two months
3: really yeah, and we had a primary school teacher on the phone yesterday. Off air, well, she messaged us actually. We got back to her. She's very worried and concerned um, about PPE, about lack of PPE, about picking the virus up at work. Do you know? So maybe people are worried, but they're just getting on with it.
22: Well, I, I think that's exactly it. I think every single one of us is worried. We all have families of our own. Lots of us have elderly, vulnerable parents. Um, people in our lives who have underlying conditions. There are a number of teachers in the school here who have uh, serious underlying conditions in terms of maybe asthma, chronic chest problems, etc. Um, what you just, as uncomfortable as it might seem, sometimes people are just taking extra care of themselves yeah. and they're doing the very best they can in the circumstances they find themselves in. So I, I think that's why sometimes like the idea of that pe- I suppose frustrating is that people might be out there thinking oh here go the teachers whinging when I feel because this this, this ballot is sort of creating this idea that we're up in arms about being at work when in fact uh, most people are actually really happy to be back
3: Good man, just one thing that comes to mind and there's a message or two in about it while we're speaking Peter and a lot of people delighted to hear your positivity but take a class of thirty sixteen 16 year olds that you dismiss out the door at 4 o'clock after or 3 o'clock after another normal school day. For the next six weeks, we're being told to remain at home as much as possible. What role can a teacher play or a principal play in ensuring they do just that?
22: look oh, look, it's
3: impossible,
22: you know, all you can do. I, by the way, just on that question, I think the kids have been absolutely sensational. Yeah, Um, they really have. I mean, their level of compliance, like things that they have to do, which they've never, ever had to do before. Like there are days like yesterday and today when it's raining, when they don't even get a minute's fresh air in six or seven hours sitting in a sort of an unnatural environment of a classroom. And their behavior and their level of cooperation has been sensational. And they should actually be praised for it. You know, a lot of the time the young people are sort of, people are sort of suggesting they're irresponsible um, and obviously there will be people who act sort of inappropriately, but overall, our experience has been that they've been fantastic. You know, in terms of principals and schools, all we can do is sort of control what we can do when they're in
3: here yeah. and, keep, and keep passing on the message but will that Will you be are. advising your... What do you teach, Peter? I teach uh, business and accounting. Okay, so when you finish your last class on, on Friday, well, yeah, Friday before the, before the midterm, like, what will you say to the, the, the youngsters? And then when they come back after midterm... When you finish up the class, you know, about staying at home and all that. Will you advise them, or you just do you, do you trust them because of the behaviour they've shown you?
22: Uh, well, like to be honest with you, I think um, that's a good question. Do I trust them? I, um, I, I probably don't trust them as much as, um, as as I'm as I'm suggesting with my previous comments. I think when they leave the school environments and they're outside of the control of their parents and their teachers, I think they're teenagers. And I think it's, uh, they act innately in a way that teenagers uh, act and they find it very hard to socially distance and they find it, they find it hard to understand the implication it has on them.
3: And we have know? to understand that as part and of this. And we psychology. have to
22: understand that. And we like all we can do is keep reinforcing the message, you know, to try and keep your distance and wash your hands and wear a mask wherever you possibly can. And I, I think from around town and from being in around these lads and and, um, and students for the last couple of months that overall, you know, they have been pretty excellent they obviously forget themselves from time to time yeah, yeah. you know and there's obviously uh, those amongst them who are a little bit rebellious and again we have to accept that they're teenagers
3: yeah but you just have to trust them as well to that for the m- most part they will do what's right Peter thank you very much Peter Scott I think it's one of the calls of the week Peter Scott is a teacher in a school in the city we agreed with him not to name the school but that's that's his experience kids are alright you know for the most part for the most part. Do you trust them when you leave them out of school at four o'clock to go home, go straight home, do not pass go, do not like to... You can't. You just have to hope they'll do their best over the next couple of weeks. And maybe we as parents, well, mine are gone past that now, but we as parents, those of us with school-going children in their their teens say, we need to sit down and have a word with them. Say, right, you're going to school. When you finish school, please come straight home. I will be expecting you. We need you here. We're told to stay home. Yeah, they won't agree with you all the time and there'll be fights and tempers and doors slammed and all that kind of thing. That's just there. We'll see. I'm delighted a teacher came on that wants to continue with school. They have already lost months of education. Some of them are complaining about being worried about their families. What about the nurses? What about the doctors? What about the elderly looking after children while their single parents are working? This is a crisis. We just have to adjust to the facts of life as they are today. Well done, that man. Carla says, what about the effect that open schools have on gangs of teens? I don't mean criminal gangs now, just gangs of teens hanging outside around shops, takeaways. It creates bottlenecks. I really can't see to avoid it. That's where I was going with the question with Peter. What can you do to encourage them not to do that? The answer is very little. You can mention it to them. You can hope they won't do it, but they probably will. But Morris says leaving the schools open is just bizarre, PJ. If the incidence is so prevalent, surely the schools provide a means of transmission. I'm hearing of parents mingling outside the schools, so it doesn't have to be the children infecting each other. Uh, Peter speaks so articulately on the teachers and teachers union divide. It's absolutely true that teachers unions don't always represent the sentiments of the teachers. Fair play to him for highlighting this. He went so I asked him the ballot paper. There's four ballot papers. Four ballot papers at the moment. That's a, just a very badly timed ballot. I will send my kids to school because it's not about me but about them, and they need to mix with their age group. And it's about education too. I'm working. So is my husband we won't be able to do any homeschooling when we did in the springtime i found it very hard to do homeschooling and do work on top of that 185715996 there are support bubbles in place the tishuk Tao- 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 has said we're going with the idea of support bubbles it's part of a whole range of supports he announced last night
4: we will be improving the pandemic unemployment payment and the employment wage subsidy schemes to take account Of the new restrictions. We will be prioritising the rollout of new supports in mental health services. I understand that social isolation and anxiety is a very real issue for many people, and especially those who live alone. Therefore, we are including as part of the own household provisions the concept of a support bubble. This will allow persons living alone, parenting alone, are similarly at risk of social isolation to pair with one other household as part of a support bubble.
3: If memory serves me correctly, and Fergal Barry will tell me if I'm wrong, um, if memory serves me correctly, the concept of the bubble comes from New Zealand originally. I wonder will it work here? 1850 715
2: Cork's 96 FM's Hit Mix is one year online.
13: So to celebrate, we're giving away 500 euro to one loyal listener.
2: 500 euro for your chance to win. Follow Corks 96 FM on Instagram now.
13: Tag your mates, then share it in your Insta stories using the hashtag #HitMixMoney.
2: HitMixMoney. Mix Money. 500 euro. Corks 96 FM's Hit Mix the home of non-stop fresh new music time, time,
13: time get paid. listen on your phone smart speaker or see 96fm.ie
2: this is Court's gold emro award-winning talk show the opinion line with pj coogan call
13: us now 1850
2: 715 996 on quartz 96fm <laughs>
3: Tim called from Cargahan said, so just want to compliment that teacher that was on. It's great to have such a can-do young man on the radio. Indeed, he was one of the calls of the week. Uh, thanks, Tim. And Tom, why are we going into lockdown when the WHO was advising against them? OK, I tried to bust this myth on Friday, Tom, and I'm going to bust it again. The... WHO this is one of the things that the quacks and the pseudoscientists are are peddling around that WHO says don't do any more lockdowns. WHO never said anything of the sort. They said it shouldn't be your first line of defense. That's what they said. Here's Dr. a former guest on the opinion line. Here's Dr. David Nabarro talking about exactly that.
21: We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganise, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it.
3: We'd rather not do it unless we're in a situation where we need to get ahead of the game again, which is exactly where we are right now. And the quacks and and the psychobabbles and the nonsense merchants that are out there trying to say the WHO has said don't do any more lockdowns. That's just BS. It's taking what they want to hear instead of what was actually said. Thanks, Tom. 1850-715-996. Right, what's a support bubble? Well, according to the guide in the Echo today, there's the concept of an extended household or support bubble for defined categories of individuals to support those at risk of social isolation and or mental ill health. And the slightly more detailed explanation, I mean slightly, in the independent is, in order to support those who risk isolation, such as single adult households, and those who've shared parenting or shared custody arrangements, those living alone who have mental health challenges, or those living with a partner, say, with dementia, it will be possible for those in such circumstances to nominate one other household with whom they can mix. This will allow for social support beyond the caring exemptions already available. Now, Rach was on with us there in the last few days about, you know, being a... just. Trying to do all this, uh, being a parent and all that, will that make your life any easier, Rach? Good morning again.
23: Hi, hi. No, yeah, it will indeed. And I think today, as we're all pretending we're not nervous, it's kind of good to see a more realistic kind of take on society, isn't it? It's it's a kind of it's, it's reassuring to know that like not everyone is in the same situation, and it does for me. Like I, I do have parents in Cork, but they're kind of you know they're older. My dad's very very high risk. So I haven't been able to turn to like my kind of traditional support. And I think that me and my best friend, she's a single mom um, she has one child and she doesn't have family in Cork. And we sat down as a family um, two families and we talked about this. And we had a couple of situations during the summer where, you know, we were forced to take that step. You know, I, we had to, she had to take my children in the car in an emergency. And we actually spoke about it and we said, you know, if we hadn't talked about that beforehand, we'd have had to make our minds up on the spur of the moment. And we very clearly have said that we now consider each other family for the duration of this. And if it comes to it, like I'm taking her child, she'll take mine, do you know?
3: Mm. Um, How how near each other do you live?
23: We're just into the 5K, so we probably won't have to kind of explain it to the guards, do you know what I mean? But Mm. like, if I did... Um, And like I said, you know, with my children seeing their father, um, we spoke to the guards about that during the last lockdown. And I have to say they were very understanding, even though the guidelines weren't like so clear the last time. They were very human about it and they were like, no, it's fine, you know. Um, So I think that what I'm really impressed by this time around is the kind of the more complex nature of how things actually really are. You know, and I feel that like the last time it was a panic response and we've had time to consider it. And mental health, as you know, and as I know, is really important. It's going to get dark. It's going to get kind of heading towards Christmas. And being able to kind of say on compassionate grounds, if someone that you care about is in a very dark place, that can you go and even if it's sitting outside, you don't necessarily have to go into the house. You know what I mean? But the physical contact, when people are in very vulnerable spots, Zoom and phone, it can be just a bit removed. You know, Not the same. No. It's not. It's not. It's not the same as having someone look at you and say you're going to be okay. And I think that we're doing this. Like, I think Irish culture does compassion quite well anyway. I have to say it, right? Mm. And I think that this is a reflection of how we view society. We were very concerned about the elderly the last time, which was correct, and the vulnerable. And this time, I'm actually quite proud because we're kind of saying, you know what? We take mental health pro- um, seriously as well. And, do you know what as well, PJ. Isn't this one of the first times that I can remember where single parents were brought to the fore? Often it's kind of kind of mixed into, like, traditional family setups. And we have a lot of single parents in Ireland. And I think this is really positive that they're actually being mentioned in government policy yeah, and that they're being taken seriously because a lot of my friends, like, you know, going into shops... Do you remember when kids weren't allowed into shops? How to you do that? Yes. You know? Yes, yes. Like, so it's, I think in a country that hasn't maybe done the best it could really by single parents, to put it wildly, this is a really positive sign that they're actually making it into the headlines, and yeah. that they're being considered. And I think it's a sign again that, you know, we, we're learning, we're adapting, and we're, I think we're getting it right. Yeah. And Like six weeks, you, harder,
3: you, you mentioned yeah. the first lockdown, and we've talked about this before, yeah. you and I. You know, what made the first one easier just say easier. Was glorious weather, bright mornings, That's bright right. evenings. Do you know, it, it was it was a beautiful springtime, and it was just a good year to get a beautiful springtime. Look out there. Well, and the dark, and the cold, and the wet, and the grey. And I've said it. I said it here yeah, on air to yeah. my listeners. I I will struggle yeah. with this, and I have very very robust mental health, but I will struggle yeah. with this.
23: Come back to basics. Come back to who you are. OK, mm. the body and the mind are not separated. There's a reason that even in a lockdown, physical exercise is continually mentioned, 2K, 5K restrictions. Come back to basics. And one of the pieces of advice I'd give, because, you know, I'm very interested in mental health and I'm very interested in the effects of anxiety and stress. And one of the things I'd say is we head to our heads. We head to our, our minds as the totality of who we are. Your body also knows what it needs. So if you're feeling anxious and you're feeling stressed and today, I'm sure you're the same. Aren't we all pretending we're not stressed today? And of course we are. So when you feel tension in your body, instead of looking for a mental reason and a deep, complex reason from your past or your future, come back to very basic stuff. Come back to running up and down the stairs. Come back to come back to your feet, your legs, your body. Listen to it and burn off the stress. And you can do that, like this all these online apps, there's some really good ones that people are using. You can get two bottles of water and you can do a 45-minute low-impact cardio workout on some of these fantastic sites on your phone. And trust that if you do that and you go for a walk, that you'll feel a little bit better than you did before. You can't be expecting to feel fabulous. Mm. You can't be expecting to feel on top of the world. But when you're in a moment of high stress and fear, understand that that energy and that body response break it down get rid of it and take basic steps this is like a a test of personal resilience and whereas mental health is something that we see as a kind of a feel-good thing you know it's kind of like you know self-care it's Mm -hmm. a buzzword well aren't we now being taught the importance of our mental health and not to take it for granted i don't feel like exercising today it's cold it's wet and i'm tired i have college tonight on zoom I know that half an hour of stretching and doing a little bit of pilates, I'll find the time in between the children and all the craziness to do that half an hour for myself and that will keep me balanced. Yeah. And so instead of kind of saying, God, I must get to the gym now if I time, I must do this, I must do that. So when you hit crisis points, you've got other people to talk to, but try and come out of the head. You know, try and come away from thinking about the past and the future. And work on what you can control, which is breaking down. Because stress is physical as well. People, we, we tend to think we're all our heads and our thoughts. And as a long-term meditator, I'm telling you, our thoughts are just as much a transitory response as stress is in the stomach. Yeah. Those feelings of tension that you get in your stomach, butterflies, the yeah. nuts, the brain equivalent of that is ruminating and depressive thinking. So if you stop thinking of your thoughts, as something that control you and understand that they flow and they change in the same way that having a tight muscle in your neck changes and start factoring in daily physical time. And that's the trick. We haven't got the ability to go off for our beautiful hikes and our walks, but you do have the capacity to stretch out your muscles, to go on and get one of these apps and do half an hour, 20 minutes. And if you're not feeling like it and you're feeling really low, just say to yourself, This isn't going to hurt me, but maybe it'll take off 20% of what I'm feeling. And that's the difference this time. We had the nature to go to. I went polytunnel mad, as you know. I was out of my garden. This time in the darkness, it's inward. And I have to be very strict with myself and the physical. Leading to the mental is a really important combination. Mm. Sorry, I'm going off. It no, you're great. In no, listen, there. I could listen
3: all day to you because you're making so much sense. But, but what? What, what? Do you yeah. know you, you said the thing about I, I don't want to exercise today. It's cold and it's wet it's, and I I'm don't. tired. And all I want to do is sit in front of the telly and watch yes. another episode of the box set.
23: What I really want to do is we've got a box of heroes that I'm pretending aren't on the shelf. Yes. And I really don't want to eat them, but I know if I eat chocolate today, lots of it now, not a couple of pieces, but if I eat a good whack of chocolate, right, and if I don't listen to the fact that I'm pretending I'm not stressed, but of course I am. We're about to go back into a lockdown. I'm worried about the kids in school. How am I going to manage college? How am I going to manage this? So I'm ignoring the fact that I'm feeling stressed. If I don't think about that, if I just eat chocolate and binge watch TV, right, that will contribute to a lower mood. Yes. That will contribute to me actually giving in to the ruminating and the negativity thoughts.
3: Would you agree with, with something that a person said yeah. to me one time and it, it resonates with me? The time of this sitting on the couch, tired, not yeah. bothering, cold. That is the time, that is actually your mind telling you, get up you lazy arse and do something.
23: Well, here's the thing, because I love meditation as well. It's not for everybody. And, you know, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea. Some people get it from fishing. Some people get it from painting. It doesn't matter how you do it, right? But there is a kind of thing, and I can't remember who said it. was it the Dalai Lama or someone, but anyway, they were saying that the days when you're most busy, the days when you have the least amount of time to meditate, is, are the days when you should meditate the most.
2: Dalai Lama, that, I
23: think. Yeah, and that's really kind of like it stuck with me for years because I have a tendency to push my own physical and needs and kind of behind the kids, behind life. But if I'm facing into three or four hours of Zoom and all the rest of it, I'm like, I haven't got that 20 minutes to sit down and meditate. If I carve that out, my life or the, my, my processes are very different. And this is perhaps is the lesson that we as individuals, families and communities need to learn. We've been trying to break down the stigma around mental health. You and me have talked loads about anxiety and different things in the past. And maybe this is the challenge of this lockdown. It's like mental health it's like brain flu, it's like brain pneumonia, is so important. But it, it's time now to really talk about it and to, what works. We often study what doesn't work. So we study like when people break down, when they get suicidal, but what does work? What's the study of wellness? So look to the people in your life who are doing well and not just in an envious way, but ask them how they're staying positive. Ask them what their routines are because in, in the little kind of the moment, maybe they're really good at in the morning. So here's a little tip. I tend to do my shopping, run home, do the list, and sometimes I don't even take off my coat before I'm pushing the dinner in the oven. But if I took, and that's my life, <laughs> but if I took five minutes and I sat down at the table and I said to myself, I'm going to look out the window for five minutes before I, I transition from all the jobs I've been doing to the stuff I have to do at home. It's those moments of quiet, mm-hmm. the stillness, that's when your body and your mind can tell you what it needs okay. but if you're constantly jumping you can't and you look we're rambling on again no, you listen
3: you're great Rachel. it's always great to talk to you in fact really? I, I think I'll just go and make a cup of coffee and let you talk away because you're making so <laughs> <laughs> listen I'm only messing with you always great to you. good luck over the next few Please weeks well, we, we, we will stay in touch because I think every yes. so often we check in with you because uh, you know, the, the support bubble idea she loves that idea and it's great idea it's into meditation she's into mental health into all the things we, we can pull ourselves to through this. i saying to everyone this will be much harder, this one. Much harder. But we'll pull ourselves through it. Bernie, you're not happy. Good morning.
24: Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Um, I'm, I'm still not quite happy, you know. Um, I knew some restrictions had to come yesterday um, and something had to be done. I suppose um, there's a few things. I mean, 10 people at a funeral is inhumane, your main for government. Yeah. It's in your main. They have 25 people at a wedding where there will be a lot more noise, a lot more hugging, a lot more laughing. Yeah. That there would be at a few. I think it's in your main. I haven't lost anyone this year. But I mean I I it just hurts me because yeah. so I lost my sister 2 years and I had to think that that we couldn't have been there for her and with her in her last hours. Yeah. think that, that it's in your mind from our government. I'm absolutely disgusted with them.
3: I think we all worry, Bernie, that if anything were to happen to a loved one in, in this time how would we cope? What would I, we do? I just
24: don't even, I, I couldn't even imagine, I don't know how I mean, there are, are, we should take our hats off to the people that have lost loved ones during this pandemic due to COVID or non-COVID and that have are keeping going. Yeah. And I think it, it, we really should. And I think, to, in your main out of our government, ten people at a funeral. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, it, 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 it hasn't affected me. But I'm nearly crying here at the thought of it.
3: Yeah. No, it's a very, it's, it's, it's something that's coming up a lot. They can say twenty-five at a wedding, but, yeah. but ten at a funeral. And we had Henry, the funeral director, on earlier on, saying it's it's very unfair to people, particularly when the service is being held in a big church that could easily hold more than 10 people. You also, I think, the thing about being going out to meet a friend and, and have that's a cuppa, right. you, you can do that, you know, Bernie, you can, just to take away and find a little seat in a park or something.
24: Yeah, I, that's it, yeah, it's just fine. Um, I, you know, for me... Like I, I know, I no one has come into my house during the. Well, sorry, one person do, and I know that's the load, right? Um they just come in twi- uh, for a half an hour every second week. But I have no, I don't no friends come in. My bubble is the same now as it always was, and if to meet my friends, I both two or three friends. You now a lot of them haven't come out after the first lockdown, but I meet two or three friends um, during the week, right? Yeah. We have a cup of tea, we do our social discs, we sanitise our hands, wear our masks. Yeah. And, you know, I feel, I, I, I just feel there is nowhere we... Really well, you different. certainly
3: couldn't do it today.
24: You couldn't do it today. And we well, you, you, you know, you couldn't do it today, yeah. So, kind of, to go into a bubble with another family and meet outside, I, like, it just, it's great. Well, is we there somebody, somebody. Do, you, do you
3: live alone, Bernie?
24: I do, yeah, and yeah. the mental health is beginning is, to affect now. Is there I someone? So.
3: Is there a family near your? Is there someone that you could make a social bubble with? Just to...
24: I, no, I wouldn't know. Why because not? The, the point is, with the first lockdown, what? when I, you know, you're not going to suddenly know in the middle of where there's high numbers, make a bubble with another family.
3: But you surely have friends, close friends. Oh,
24: to... I have friends, but yeah. you know, one of my friends is up by the Mercy Hospital.
3: I see. You know they were living nearby for example. No?
24: I have up in Bob um from me here. They're in but they're their their um, mobility. Yeah. Wouldn't be as good for going for a walk, you know? Yeah, I know. So going out and sitting down and having a cup of tea is already of meeting. Yes. I, I don't think they allowed for mobility issues last night. They didn't allow at all for it. And I I'm still not happy around the mental health issues. They're not okay. really addressing. They're mentioning it. But they're not actually, you know, really addressing it. the anxiety and the the, the depression and okay. the mental health. Right. Like well, they, we're talking about it, but there's no one talking to us.
3: I got you, Bernie. I leave it there with you, and I wish you well. And look, we'll be here every day over the the six weeks of it for people. And we were going to start giving out those contact numbers again that we did throughout the first lockdown. We just want to reorganize the the list and get it in some kind of an order. Uh, the community call still exists, by the way, that we did during the first lockdown. We did it every day, but I think starting from starting from tomorrow, we'll we'll have the list of numbers that you can call if you need help uh, over the next few weeks. It's there in the system. We just need to update it a little bit. Tom says, "My brother lives in Tasmania. They've had very severe lockdowns, but the results have been good. We seem to be in a country run by airlines. People talk about New Zealand, which has had stellar results." There's Australia, Korea and other parts of the world too. Tom's last message goes to heck. The last part goes to heck with banks. Tom, I'm saying this, I'm blue in the face from saying this since I spoke to Dr Niall Conroy. Hi Niall, if you're listening. I know he does listen to the show now uh, in Queensland. Uh, Niall Conroy and other Irish doctors in public health in Australia have driven a programme there that has the country pretty much getting back to normal. Yes, Yes, there are travel restrictions, severe ones, but they're getting back to normal just in time for summer. And in New Zealand last weekend, and there's a lot of Irish doctors working there too, in New Zealand last weekend, there were concerts and there were matches because they did it and they went hard and they went just they just drove at it until they sorted it out. 185715996) The <laughs> Another thing about being in a married relationship. Yeah. Are you married to somebody who thinks that the fairies put diesel in the car? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, me too.
6: (laughs) Or or the jobs she doesn't want to do are called man jobs. So, for example, getting rid of daddy long legs, that's a man's job. Or cleaning out
11: the
13: gutters, that's a man's job. If I try and tell her that the washing machine
11: is a woman's job, I'll have a washing
20: machine at the side
13: of my head. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City.
2: Cork's 96 FM. Hi, Casey here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands
5: and it's a super city for shopping. Right now, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your shopping right here in Cork.
18: Because a thriving
12: local economy is good for everyone
11: shop locally and you'll save time you'll save money and you'll save local jobs
13: supported by mccarthy insurance group where you can shop local for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie
3: support your own right now and thank you from all of us at corks 96 fm this is
2: Courts Gold, Imro Award-winning talk show, The Opinion Line, with PJ Coogan.
13: Text or WhatsApp now, 0833
3: 96 96 On Quartz 96 FM. The aforementioned Dr. Niall Conroy uh, has just tweeted about the state of Victoria. He spoke to me, do you remember, about the lockdown in Melbourne where there were near a second lockdown on the 7th of July, a really harsh lockdown. And people bought into it. So they've gone from 800 cases a day to one case in the state of Victoria. The whole state of Victoria, from 800 cases a day to one case. And Niall Conroy... Irish public health doctor working in Australia. Can we please get these people home to do it properly here? Because we don't seem to have a grip of it. Ireland should watch this. You can shrug your shoulders and say it's not possible or maybe people like Stephen Donnelly, and he tags the minister in this, can put together a proper, robust feasibility study and talk to our neighbours about it. I think we must get Dr Conroy again for another chat at some point before we finish... uh, week out or maybe next week because they've done it out there and all these people telling you you can't do it, you can and they're doing it Phil Goodman says don't forget about the friendly phone she will try to contact Bernie Bernie also had some more other thing, things to say She want, and sorry about that Bernie it's just we're very pushed for time today there were further points, older people who are lonely are stuck in a 5 kilometer rule while GA teams can go all over the country uh, yeah, that's true. They're talking about limiting travel, but they have the airports open. What about that? She's tried using the phone, the WhatsApp, all the other modern services, but what works for her and works for others is one person, meeting with one person in a comfortable environment. With all the time they had, I thought the government were going to announce a far more nuanced one. Thank you, Bernie, for that. Uh, no, no, Joseph gotter is at Household linens uh, it's been rough morning down there with the floods joe i think good morning
25: good morning pj has indeed uh, i've been particularly lucky that he escaped compared to some of my neighbors the people across the Royal road and pro music got a, a savage hammering and some of the you know all those shops have been similarly hit so it's just another another thing to, to bash the traders with i
3: suppose you know you're in yeah. business a long time how does this rate as a flash flood Uh,
25: Well, this would be down to scale still, you know, but I mean if you have carpets wet, you know people can't come in, so whether there's much stock damage done or not it's just people physically can't enter your premises, you're over business You know, so
3: yeah yeah. How do do you face about the prospects of the new restrictions seeing as we're going there?
25: You know, if it was a level playing field PJ, I suppose, you know, nobody could complain, but as retailers, there are some of us who feel that we've been kind of I won't say victimised, that's probably too strong a word, but certainly when you see some of the larger department stores who will continue to be open as they were previously, but they're not just selling groceries, they're selling men's suits in opposition to Fitzgerald's or the men's shop, or, you know, they're selling bedding in opposition to myself. Uh So, you know, some shops will be closed, and rightly so, you'd say, but um, others will stay open and continue trading ways if there's, you know, Leave yeah. carries on.
3: That's something, and we that, might,
25: that's what that's what's upsetting a lot of us.
3: That's something we might take up uh, at more at more length because it came up the last time. Joseph, thank you, Joseph Cotter from Household Linens. That came up the last time. Like you can go in and buy, and I'm just picking them out of the top of my head. You can go in and you can buy clothes and shoes in Tesco, but the clothes and shoe shops in town are closed. Uh, that seems unfair, and and we might come back to that maybe. Uh, tomorrow, or indeed across the course of the next five or six weeks, because we've a lot of talking to do about this flipping re- set of new set of restrictions foisted upon us, foisted upon us because we need them, but foisted nonetheless. Very quickly to David Joyce, director of services at Cork City Council, handling the flooding this morning. It's it's receding, David. Uh, panic over, as it were, for now.
6: Yes, Cork City House has confirmed that all the surface water has now receded and any of the last remaining ponds around the city centre, we brought in suction vacs and got rid of those, so we're very happy that the city centre is fully open for anybody who
3: wants to come in and transact business. There will be another high tide this evening?
6: There will, there's another high tide this evening and tomorrow morning, but because we're on the end of the spring tides, they're actually lower than this morning's and most certainly the, sur- ters- the t- tidal surge will be significantly less tonight and tomorrow, so we're not expecting any flooding at all. However, if anybody is worried and does want to protect their buildings as a precaution, we are making gel sacks available from our Angst Street Depot, drainage depot on Angus Street and from the Tramore Valley Park.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I think to everybody who who pulled together this morning to get this sorted out as quickly as possible, I think, thank you, David, for, for a job well done
6: thank you very much we're we're, we're delighted that the members of the public and businesses in the city centre heeded our um, advice and members of the public didn't come in this morning there was significantly less traffic which meant when we did do the road closures there was less hassle in relation to backups and businesses again the vast vast majority of them again took our advice and protected their businesses last night so they saved their businesses
3: okay thank you very much David David Joyce Director of Services with Cork City Council and that's it it has been a busy one well Uh, The program edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Podcast in the afternoon, repeat in the early hours. We're back, live and dangerous, in the morning, just after nine.
24: When you visit Arizona,
16: time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate